everybody. everybody. Woo! Jinx. Buy me a uh, Coke. I, I, know, I stole your line. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just wanted to take a quick moment. We don't usually do this, and maybe we're overthinking things, but this episode uh, was lively, to say the least. And um, I know for me personally, there is this element of vulnerability because I said some things that, looking back on, I probably would have tried to say in a kinder manner um, mm-hmm. that maybe I, I, you know, there's that idea. It's like, ooh, did I go too far? Um, but I also think that, you know, we respect our listenership and, 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 and love you all and thought, you know what, let's just, let's just put it out there just as it is. Um, so we're just taking this opportunity to, to say, Hey, you know, in an episode about family, we know that families are, are messy sometimes and that we're all human. And, and hopefully, uh, as you listen to the episode, you think to yourself, what the hell is Sam on about? This is fine. Uh, but, I'm just addressing my own insecurities here and, sure. uh, and just, you know, and just kind of reiterating the fact that like, I think that the discussion that we had, um, was, was, was good and a lot of fun. And, and Dennis, I know that, you know, you put it even better than that earlier. Uh, so I'll, I'll hand this little intro off to you real quick. I, I say so much bullshit, Sam. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Like what, what did I put so well? Oh, um, you earlier when you were talking about the, uh, the the fact that you felt very strongly that this was a very good episode that we did. That, oh, that this yes. is one of the best episodes that we've recorded. And 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 sometimes like hearing your support and your reason and your you know bringing your reason to bear on all of this uh, is helpful to me because I sometimes I do like I said I get a little scared because I'm sure. trying really hard in life to just, uh-huh. you know, to be kind. And, and, uh-huh. and, and, and I worry, you know, when those moments, when you kind of say things that maybe go a little too far and you think, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. The lovely thing is, is the conversation we had with Deborah, you know, she taught me something again. Right. You know, sure. and it was, and it yeah. was awesome. And so I just kind of felt like, no, you know what? Dennis is right. Let's just let the episode stand Let's trust our listeners, trust ourselves, trust the conversation we have. Sure. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. You said some things that may have sounded angry. I said some things that may have sounded angry in different aspects because we had some different thoughts about this episode. But, you know, there's 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 like anger, anger. And then there's like, you know, uh, spirited anger over something you're passionate about. And. And that's where I'm at with this. And it's like, I, neither of us would get to the place where we are, where we get in this episode. If, if we weren't just like very passionate and that we love the show and that's right. And that's where it all came from. And we, we just wrapped up our, our conversation with Deborah that we're going to put at the end of the episode, but we talked about, you know, some, some squabbles that I had with the episode and, you know, you put it away. It's like, um, it's wonderful to have disagreements and to have conversations about them. And you are not having a conversation about it to persuade or to win over the other person and convince them that you are right. It's wonderful to have the conversation to make sure that you understand each other's point of view. And I think that we, that we all got there. Like we got there with, with, with your and my discussion and, and very briefly in, in, in our talk with Deborah, when we, when we talked about my squabbles with the episode, um, you know, we got there as well. Yeah. 
I agree. I completely agree. Mm. And I think that that's an important distinction to make. And it's important to note that like, I would, I, I mean, and you know this, but I was never angry at you, you know? Oh no. Yes. Like, yeah. And I think that that's also it, right. Mm. And that's the other thing. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes like you get, you, you know, you get riled up in a certain way in defense of something that, that you enjoy that you tend to go like if, if, if it affects you in one way and it affects me in another way. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, and, and you go this way, then I'm going to go this way as opposed to going this way. And sometimes that's just natural. And I think the lovely thing is, is that we both might've gone that way, but we both came back here and yes. that's, you know, and, and, and that's, I think that that's the key. So, um, with all of that said, we truly hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. We had a great discussion and I, I know I came away from it feeling like I learned a lot. Uh, and Deborah Pratt. Mm-hmm. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. Enjoy the episode, everyone. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm Sam. I'm Dennis. And we're here this week to talk about Family Style, uh, directed by the wonderful Deborah Pratt, who will be joining us again uh, later on in this episode. That is so awesome. It's, what is, it's amazing. What is life? Like you said in our text message, what is life? <laughs> she was so kind, two so generous. Yeah, right. To 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 come back. Uh, we did not record this, you know, uh, in that session that we that we had with her earlier. This is literally she came back just to discuss family style after we had seen it, um, which is again just incredibly kind and generous of her. Um, and we're glad to you know to just have the opportunity to talk about her to, to celebrate her and mm-hmm. her direction of this episode because it is mind boggling. You know, she mentioned it in her interview that we had on last week's episode, she never got the chance to direct an episode of quantum leap. She wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she, the, 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 the opportunity was kind of there a couple of times, but then it kind of got snatched away from her, but she was able to ensure that at least it went to, you know, a a woman of color, uh, to Mm -hmm. direct, uh, the episode in her stead. But yeah, it it, it is, it is kind of uh, odd to think that this is the first Mm -hmm. time she's directed an episode of quantum leap. Um, so it'll be fun to to get the chance to talk to her again, just in general, but but obviously sure. uh, talking about family style. Um, mm. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Can I share a story? I shared this on social media yeah. this morning before we do it. Yes. So uh, yes. we're recording this on Saturday. Saturday morning, 8 a.m., I'm sitting in my eye doctor's office. I'm going in for a follow-up on, on the new contacts that I have. And one of the guys who works behind the front desk, from having been there a few times, like I know like – like we just got to It's so hard making friends later in life, Sam. Because the thing is, like, I could tell by like his tattoos. Like he's got a Back to the Future tattoo. He's got an Alf tattoo on his arm, and his ah. wife works with him. She's got similar tattoos. They're obviously by the same artist. The first time I went there, mask mandates were still in place, so he was wearing a Back to the Future face mask. Like nice. we would be friends. We just got to hit it off. So anyway, I'm sitting there waiting to go in. He is talking to another customer sitting at the front desk or standing at the front desk and the, and the customer's like, I, I think the show's on hiatus again. And the guy behind the counter was like, yeah, but it got picked up for a second season. And I was like, wait, and I was like, Hey, what, what show are you all talking about? <laughs> and they're like, quantum leap. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> have I got have news I, for you? <laughs> have I got news for you? Have I got a podcast for you? It was interesting because even though a uh, guy behind the front desk knew it had been picked up for a second season, both of them were under the assumption that they were done for the season. Mm. That that they weren't going to see, see the show again for a few months. So I was able to yeah. let them know that. 
uh, one guy, the customer, he doesn't listen to podcasts. Um, so was like, but I did give the guy behind the counter, like, you know, our website address. Yeah. And I said that he, that he would give us a listen because he's, he's really into the show. Uh, nice. It's one of those things like on my way out, like, I just like, let's be friends. Right. Right. But it's so hard. So yeah. So hopefully we'll find the podcast. If you're listening, uh, if you're listening, good person, good human, who is at my eye doctor this morning, uh, reach out. I'll see you later. Yeah. I, gotta go, I got to go in and the, the, the new contacts I have weren't exactly the right fit. So they're getting me some new contacts. So I have to go in and pick up some trials in another week. So anyway, anyway, just wanted to share that story. It's uh it's nice meeting quantum leap fans out in the wild. And it's a totally organic thing that I don't shoehorn into the conversation. You had a quantum leap assisted meet cute. That's a very fantastic way of putting it. Uh, that's lovely. I'm I'm so happy to hear that, and I think that it's funny to think that a couple of years ago uh, that that conversation wouldn't have been possible, and that if someone was talking about Quantum Leap, it would have been about you know that old show that they watched a long time yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean we've mentioned it before, but that's one of the things. The first time I was ever over at your house um, was for an audition, actually. And I remember yeah. seeing the DVDs over mm-hmm. there on, on the shelf. And I didn't say anything then because, um, you know, I, it's an audition. Like, I, I was like, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going <laughs> to sure. leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'd never met you before. And, yeah. and then, of course, y- y- you know, got, got the part. And we had our first read through uh, at your house. And I remember, you know, getting there and seeing them again. I don't think I said anything then. But the next time I was over, I was there a little early. And it was like just me and, and you. And, and, and that was when I finally, I think, broached the topic. It was just sort of like, yes, you got the, the Quantum Leap DVDs over there. And yeah. Uh, I couldn't bring myself to buy them because of the music stuff, but you know, one of these days. Oh yes, but uh, they were still yes. I didn't know, but yeah, right, Fun right. Times. And now I know, I know. No, it's and, uh, and it's amazing. Are. I'm so glad that, yeah. that 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 happened. Uh, it's yeah. it's it's proof that the show is is out there. You know that people are watching, people are connecting with it, um, and that's just yeah. really cool. I'm I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad I did. And by the way, if there's any people out there who think that I'm a weirdo for hosting like auditions and rehearsals at my house, that's just kind of the Chicago way. Yeah. When when you're a theater company starting out and you don't want to spend money on on renting a space right. to have the audition, so so yeah, we we had the extra room, and so yeah, we just brought people into to audition. And, I mean, and all I, of that. I have done, I have done read throughs, readings. I, yeah, so many things in people's living rooms, spare rooms. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's just the way, that's the way you do it. You know, you, yeah. you, you getting the opportunity to like rent a space is, is usually a big deal and an expense, obviously in a city like Chicago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say my first year in the city, I probably did that at least three to four different times, just like mm-hmm. that. You know, um, at the very, if not the audition, sometimes the audition would be like, you know, at one of those shared spaces or whatever, but oftentimes a a first read through or like the reading of a new work or something like that was always in somebody's living room. Yeah. So it's happened. It's normal. So speaking of Chicago theater and other connections, we're going to come back around to that and to, uh, Susan Myberg, another uh, mutual acquaintance of ours that I think you met through the show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come back around to that later on in the show. Awesome. Tie it back in. But anyway, uh, so for now, let's thank well, and Deborah Pratt, of course, is from Chicago. So yes, there's also that, that connection. <laughs> there's that connection, but we're going to get it. Yeah. Uh, let's we're going to get into it. People and let's then we're do gonna, it. 
Yeah, we're going to get into it. Yeah. Uh, so we want to thank our patrons who help us keep the lights on here. Al's Play, Sleep Fan Site, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn, Cosplay Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Kevin, Kevin Butcher, Carol Davis, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganny, Jason Geis, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Lori Johnson, Bessie Corey, Lady Eternal, Rob Nunn, Oddly Specific with Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Saul, Karen Saxon, Jerry Seward, Mike Stouffer, Heather Stubiak, Damon Chugamelli, Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Joe Wilson, our anonymous donors, and as always, a special shout-out to Jessica Conger and Betsy Freimeyer, our spouses, who provide vital child care while we record our show. Yes, they do. And if you would like to become a patron, you can do that uh, monthly through patreon.com slash wheel. If you would like to make a one-time donation, you can do that through buymeacoffee.com slash fates wide wheel and like we started saying in our last episode if you would like to have access to the patron things right now patron things are usually our live watch parties on monday nights uh and other extra episodes as we go which i'm sure we're probably going to be doing more of those during the summer after the first season goes off the air and wraps up if you would like to have those, but you're not in a place where you can financially do that right now, go to our website, fateswidewheel.com slash patron, fill out the contact form. I'll get an email and you'll get added to our email list of things that, that we send out. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I hope that we get the opportunity to do a lot of, a lot of cool stuff, uh, over the, the summer and during the break before season two, uh, starts, um, yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of possibilities. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's been just an incredible, mm-hmm. gosh, what is it? Six months or so since mm-hmm. the year, since the, since the air, since the show came on the air. Sure. Um, you know, and, 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 and even just the past year, you know, um, I guess it's going on almost 11 months now, uh, or 13 months. This is mm-hmm. going to be yep. an interesting <laughs> evening to record mm-hmm. this podcast. Uh, it's the exhaustion has definitely taken mm-hmm. its toll. Uh, that vital child care that Dennis mentioned earlier is very vital. And uh, Jess is definitely uh, got my back today, which is, which is important, but um, mm-hmm. it, it has been a, it has been a long week. Uh, uh, we put in an offer and got accepted on a house. So everyone who's been following awesome. that particular element of, uh, uh, my personal life on the podcast, uh, with a little luck, um, we'll, we'll close at the end of March and be able to move into a new place, uh, which I'm super excited about, obviously. Uh, but it's, you know, there's a lot, it's, it's stressful. It's exciting. Yep. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. And, and then of course, in addition to that, there's the two lovely children, um, that, uh, that get, you know, get my energy and my attention, uh, mm-hmm. as much as I can possibly give. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah. So anyway, all that to say, uh, it's been an amazing 13 months, uh, since mm-hmm. the announcement, since, you know, we got the pilot script, since everything has really been happening, but there's been so much cool stuff that's happened over the past, you know, six months or so. Um, and, uh, and obviously Deborah is a huge part of that. So looking forward to obviously sharing the conversation we mm-hmm. have on family style later. Um, uh, as always, we really hope that you are helping out in your community or in larger ways if you, if you can. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot, uh, that, that needs help right now. And, and certainly after the airing of an episode like Let Them Play, um, you know, you're hearing about all of these incredibly cruel, quite frankly, um, bills that are being introduced in states across, uh, uh the nation, um, cruel acts of violence against trans youth, uh, all over the world, quite frankly. Um, so now more than ever, um, 
you know that that support is is necessary and needed and and uh, we hope that everyone is putting their best foot forward and leaping uh mm-hmm. and and trying to set things right that that are going wrong unfortunately mm-hmm. um but we are so grateful for all of your support your listenership your viewership um because mm-hmm. you know that's a thing that's become more and more of a thing as we do the youtube mm-hmm. stuff obviously uh it means the world and uh we're just so glad that you're here so glad that you join us um and hopefully we are able to continue to you know, bring some positivity to the table and, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, brighten your days and, and, and give you some thoughtful conversation to, to go with it. Um, and we love hearing all the comments. Um, I, I know, uh, this past week, uh, Dermot Devlin shared some stuff, uh, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was so, so kind and, and, and glad that, uh, you know, hope again, hope that he's having a better day today whenever uh, he's having a chance to listen to this. Um, you know, Adrian Saul always comes through with a lot of positivity, mm-hmm. uh, on, on Twitter and over on Facebook. And it's always great great to hear from him and um everybody is just so wonderful so generous and um it's been it's been great um so we really appreciate you all and uh i'm gonna stop rambling now and just say thank you and move on (laughs) so that we can talk about uh family style uh and get into maybe just some non-spoiler thoughts up front before we go into a bit of a a deep dive um should i go first for sure uh, yeah, I know we, we usually do the episode descriptions. I didn't even think about that. If we pull up, uh, oh, <laughs> sure. The, the, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I do have that uh, at my fingertips. You have right that. Now. All right. I was gonna say we, so we can I am, for it I am happy Sorry, to, yeah. uh, to, to do that. I just have for to, those of us who are listening to us in that. the future. All right. Um, <laughs> when Ben leaps into an Indian family to try and prevent their beloved family restaurant from burning down, he finds an emotional connection with their matriarch through memories of his own magic and Jen share a surprising revelation with Ian. Um, so it's interesting that the folks that you were speaking with at the eye doctor thought that the show, you know, had, had gone on its uh-huh. you know, season break. Uh, because when you mentioned that, all I could think is like, you know, if the cliffhanger at the end of the season would have been the revelation that Ian was the one uh-huh. that, that leaped, right. That they, that they leaped in order to inform Ben what happened. Like uh-huh. that's a pretty cool cliffhanger, right? That, that's like, a respectable cliffhanger. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the case. Uh, we've got six more episodes to go and they're going to air, uh, uh, consecutively, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. and of course, one of those big, you know, um, revelations right away is that Ian, um, is presented with the information, you know, they see, they see the drawings of themselves and, mm-hmm. um, spoilers, you know, that was, well, yeah, I know yeah, I've okay. already messed up. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we always do. The, we always do. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 um, I think that the way that that particular thread is followed up on to me, I thought was, uh, was very satisfying because instead of it being just about the plot, um, there was, uh, some really wonderful character development some wonderful character beats. And I really enjoyed that. I'll talk more about that later. As for the leap itself. Um, I just adored it. I really did. I, I, I thought that, uh, it, it was kind of oddly, I hate to say this, but it felt prophetic that I would bring up thou shalt not in our interview with Deborah without knowing a whole lot about family style, because the story certainly is a lot about grief and mourning. And, uh, I think that there are some interesting parallels with thou shalt not in family style. Um, and, 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 and multiple times it gave me similar feelings to feelings that I had, uh, about thou shalt not. Um, I, again, I, I, I adored so much about the relationships, um, about, about the character growth that we saw, um, and just the leap itself. I, I thought that, you know, the, the episode has kind of a breakneck pace, um, but 
I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, y- you know, there, there, of course, of course, is that feeling of like, wow, I wish I could have maybe spent a little bit more time, you know, with these characters or a little bit more time here or there, but we get 42 minutes, you know, we get 42 mm-hmm. minutes every week to tell these stories. And I think that the balance that they have been striking between the leaps and the project, you know, and kind of the arc stuff, um, has really it's just been working so well for me uh and i in looking at the episodes since coming back from um you know the the winter break or fall break whatever we're we're calling it um since stand Mm -hmm. by ben um Mm -hmm. to me have just been overwhelmingly strong episodes um and not just in in the quality of the individual episode but also in the way that the show feels so much like its own um i think Mm -hmm. i've made this comment a lot over the past you know five or six weeks is that these episodes just genuinely feel like they have figured out what their iteration of quantum leap is and, Mm -hmm. and they are, and they're writing it so well. And that's not to say that there weren't great episodes before the break, but that, that the episodes that we're seeing now just feel so much like this is, they put their stamp on it. They've put, you know, they know what they're doing and the, and the idea that like Dean, you know, kind of alluded to in our interview uh, a few months ago about kind of just wanting to really push the boundaries and really wanting to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, go all out is you almost get this sense where it's like, they've really figured it out. They've, they've, they've honed in on exactly what the show is and they are just nailing it right now. And then they're going to blow it all up and start over again, uh, which is mm-hmm. Exciting and kind of terrifying, but creatively, I think it, it could be really satisfying, you know, for, for both the artist and the audience. So, um, all of that said, I, you know, family style is, is definitely a winner for me. Um, and I, uh, I, I think that everyone does a wonderful job. There's some really nuanced stuff, um, especially, you know, from Caitlin, we, we, we talk about Caitlin a lot and, I just think that again, you know, watching her growth, um, you know, just as, as an actor and watching the character of Addison grow, there's just some moments in this episode that feel there's like an ambiguity, um, to a couple mm-hmm. of her exchanges that are, that are silent exchanges. She doesn't even have a line and, 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 and it, gets you to ask that, that question of what is she thinking? You know, what's behind, what's behind that look. And, um, I don't know if they, I mean, that's to, to, to be able to do that. Like that's, that's to me, that feels like a high compliment to give an actor, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you're engaged on such a level and, 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 and yet there's enough mystery there that you can't quite figure it out and you want to see what they're going to do next. And that like, that's compelling. And, 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 you know, she does it a few times over the course of the episode, but, but everyone, um, you know, is wonderful. And I'm not going to mention a couple of the guest stars by name, because we'll talk about that when we go a little deeper, but um, there's some really lovely scenes um, for, for, for everyone. And obviously Ian has some wonderful stuff as well. Um, so yeah, family style, family style is a winner for me. Awesome. I cannot disagree with most of what you said there, Sam, but, <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about it in great deal. Cause I just wanted to save it for the episode. I, I have some yeah. different thoughts about this episode and I think there's half of a good episode here. Okay. And it's all of the, it, it's all revolving around the family, like the very grounded personal scenes with family and the restaurant and Ben's connection with the mother. The second time I viewed the episode, the end of the episode, I love you, mom. Whew, nearly brought me to tears. Yep. I absolutely adore this part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Everything else surrounding it, though. The episode description and the trailers that we got talk about 
the, the, the thing that drives the plot is the restaurant is going to burn down. So obviously they got to figure out and hopefully prevent the restaurant from burning down. And were it an episode where we had these wonderful family scenes and we got to explore this family and Ben and Addison had to figure out what starts the fire, what's to prevent the fire or does the fire happen? And then they have to figure out what happens from there. This would have been the episode that you just described. But instead, not only do we have a fire, we have an eviction coming up. And that's cool. That's great. But then we also have a landlord and a goon who accost Ben literally puts a gun in Ben's face in the first 10 minutes of the episode. This and another thing that happens in the first 10 minutes of the episode viscerally irritated me on such a level that when I first watched the episode, because I watched it twice, when I first watched it, it totally took me out of the episode and all I could see were the flaws in the rest of the episode. Watched it again the second time with Betsy last night, and then I could really appreciate all of the family stuff in the episode. And between that, um, I I have probably my biggest issues ever with the HQ storyline this week. And between those two things, I feel like I want I wanted the writers to trust the audience more that they didn't need all of that. That you could have just had an impending fire, an impending eviction, because you got to have something that drives a plot. You got to have something that drives the characters forward. If you would have just had those things and you would have had all of the wonderful family moments that we had. And a couple of scenes back at HQ to follow up on the huge reveal from Let Them Play. I think this would have been a wonderful episode. But like I said, as it is, I think you you could piece together. You could edit together about half of an episode and leave some of it out. But it would be about 20, 22 minutes. That be said, in fair, I may revisit this episode in a few months and have a totally different thought. I got to tell you, where my head is at right now is partly to the fault of Quantum Leap earlier in the season. Because you know what they did earlier in the season, Sam? They put Justin Hartley in episode four. Justin Hartley finally gave me the nudge to finally go and watch This Is Us. Yeah. So I started that, what, late September, early October when that episode aired, and I just finished it a hundred and however many episodes it is. I just finished it this last week. Watched the last two episodes at the gym and mix on the treadmill and then the sauna. Cause that's my routine right now. Sam, have you ever tried to prevent yourself from ugly crying while sitting in a public sauna? You know, I never have. At least you have this, <laughs> at least you have the sweat to cover it up. So I'm saying like, as far as the family drama goes, my expectations are high right now because this is us is arguably one of the best family dramas on TV ever. And mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm stretching to say that. I think that's a pretty mainstream view. So sure. that is to say the parts of this episode that actually revolve around like the family and the family dynamics and Ben's connection to the family. Beautiful. Wonderful. You didn't need all the other stuff. <laughs> that's my non-spoiler thoughts. You know, my, my, my counterpoint would be, cause I, I, I can understand the quibble, especially with, you know, the goon with the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I really can. Um, but I think that 
the way that the episode played out in spite of the goon with the gun. I mean, that's the only thing that I might be moved to change, quite frankly. Sure. Um, now, what, what I what I really want to say upon third viewing, because I watched the very beginning of it again today because I just wanted to get like names of like guest stars and credits and everything. What I love, this is uh, probably to Deborah's credit. This is probably to the director of photography's credit. They put as little emphasis on the goon and the gun as possible. Yes. Like after it's introduced, yeah. the way the rest of the scene is shot, it's all on Ben and it's all on the character of Kathy. Kathy. You, yeah. you hardly ever see Frank's face again. The gun, you barely see it all. And I love that despite that they felt like they had to have that in the episode, I felt right. like it was downplayed as much as possible by the way it was, sh- at least the way it was, it, it was shot and edited together. So I did appreciate that. Yeah. So here's, so here's a question. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, you know, anyone in the know that's, that's listening, um, you know, feel free to fire back. But do you think that the use of that character, that situation, Mm -hmm. um, stems potentially from a, uh, you know, um, how do I want to phrase this from, from them not trusting that an audience would go with a story that didn't involve any kind of like peril um, to Ben and to these characters. I think it could have been a combination of that. Really like thinking about it right before we started recording. Like I feel like as they were putting this episode together, like they had all these pitches, like what could be driving the, the, the plot? Like, Oh, there's a fire. There's an eviction. There is, you know, a landlord and a goon. Oh, and then they just ended up putting a bunch in there. I think partly, yeah, because maybe they didn't trust the audience to, to like go along. Like it could have been handled maybe well with the impending fire coming up. And like another way of knowing, like you could have had the landlord come in in the first scene with a sheriff or a sheriff's deputy and say, sure. no, this is it tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going. You know, other I, thing I think they may have been trying to do, and this is something that I did not think of until we were watching the episode last night and Betsy pointed it out. Kathy is obviously racist. Sure. It's not like played up huge, but just like, like the comments she made, the way she put some stank on, on the surname of Prashad um, mm-hmm. and, and that first scene and, and the, the, the comments that you hear almost in the background that she says to the cops. Yeah. Oh yeah. In the yeah, episode, yeah. she's obviously racist. Frank is bald. And I'm not saying that everybody who has a shaved head is a skinhead, but Betsy very smartly pointed out they could have been making some very subtle commentary on neo-Nazis in the Portland area. And and racist and neo-Nazis harassing and making life miserable for immigrants, that is a thing. Yeah. If they were doing that, I wish they would have been more direct about it and made some sort of commentary on it because doing it the way they did, like basically like Kathy threatening violence, having literally a gun in Ben's face in the first scene to never have that threat coming back. And even in the last episode, like Kathy coming back 
or in the last, not in the last episode, but in like one of the final scenes, Kathy coming back, like, yeah, the insurance is going to cover like the loss of the property, but you still owe me $30,000 and I'm going to sue you. Who cares if you're going to sue? You started this episode off with a gun in Ben's face. Like, right, where's the right. suing thing now? Well, yeah, it's like that. That was one of the two things. The first 10 minutes, like as soon as the thing, because what I thought was happening at the beginning of the episode, when, when, when they came in, I thought, Oh, on top of them about ready to lose the restaurant. Um, forgive me. What's the name of the person that Ben leaped into? Kamini. Kamini. I thought, oh, on top of that, Kamini is wrapped up in something else. Sure. No, I, I, I thought that too. Like the, you know, there's some sort of gambling debt or something like that. But exactly. Yeah. I think that, so, you know, go with me here, but I think, you know, uh, you're coming, it's 2009, you're coming out of the housing crisis, right? You know, we're uh, talking about a landlord who's probably desperate, uh, who's clearly racist and taking advantage of, you know, th- these immigrants who have, you know, rented this space in order to have their dream, right, of a restaurant. Uh, the, the patriarch has died a year ago. Uh, they're, you know, they're having a rough go of it. You know, there's, there's all sorts of issues. And I think that the wonderful thing is, is that we often see, you know, these stories sometimes that are about, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the trouble that a family is having and the things that they have to overcome. Um, and, and, and oftentimes, you, you know, you don't necessarily get to go down that rabbit hole and figuring out like, you know, what's the, what's the trauma that kind of started this, right? And, and, and in this case, like, you know, we're seeing that, that, that the death of, of a beloved husband and father uh-huh. has really taken the toll on, on this family. Um, you know, that there's, that there's this, this sense of pride and distrust and, 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 and it's really, you know, permeated the family and it's kept them from growing. It's kept them from even maintaining any sort of sense of stability. You have this landlord who's desperate, right? Um, she she has no problem whatsoever, you know, burning down other establishments. Like this isn't the only uh-huh. time that she's done this. This isn't the only time. You know, there's a pattern of behavior here. So clearly, she's comfortable with breaking the law. Um, and what better way than you know to to scare to to scare you know uh, a younger I mean I don't want to call her a girl but certainly you know a, a younger woman uh, standing out in the alley than to have uh-huh. a goon with a gun show up right. Um, and it's thirty thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a small amount of money. So I think that 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 the act itself, you know, it reeks of desperation. Uh, it reeks of somebody who's trying to maintain control. It reeks of somebody who is willing to use these sorts of scare tactics, which obviously people who usually have these racist ideologies clearly they they love mm-hmm. terrorizing people. They're they're terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think that you know, for me again, it it. While it was jarring at first, and while I could certainly do without it, it doesn't take me out of the episode, and it actually mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Um, and 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 again, you know, my counterpoint to the idea that Kathy would later come back and be like, "I'm going to sue you," it's like, well, now she doesn't have to threaten the family with a gun, right? Like now she's going to get what she wants, which is her money, and now mm-hmm. she's going to take legal means to go after them, and they're sure. not going to be able to do anything about it, right? And she's painted mm-hmm. this picture already to the police who are at the scene that clearly mm-hmm. it must be their fault because these people, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and and it's like she's using that 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 racism, and, and she's using the systemic racism that we feel, and certainly, you know, saying it to a, a white male police officer you can draw mm-hmm. your own conclusions as to how that might turn out for the family so a- a- again i mean it it doesn't it doesn't bother me nearly mm-hmm. a- a- as much um and i feel like there are there are certain things that 
happen over the course of, you know, 42 minutes of network television um, mm-hmm. that I think are done to arrest the viewer in some way, right. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to, to maybe, you know, push you a little bit into, you know, what's going to happen. You know, don't change the channel. These the, the stakes are high. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I asked the question about like, do they maybe not trust the audience enough or trust that the audience doesn't need something like this in order to stick around through that commercial break or whatever. Um, and, and who knows, like I, uh, who am I, right? Like, what do I know? Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just a, a guess that I'm making. Um, mm-hmm. not that I'm saying that they don't, I'm just asking the question genuinely. Sure. So I, I, I think that it's something that again, I can certainly figure out why it's there from a story purpose. I can kind of rationalize why it's there from a real world purpose. So it doesn't, again, it just doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Sure. And certainly thinking about what Betsy said too, you know, about the potential for, you know, Kathy having these, these ties and, and being able to mm-hmm. bring someone in and be like, Hey, I want to scare somebody. Will you help me? You know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense actually. It does. But if they were going there, I wish they would have went there and like, they didn't have to make the entire episode about it, but you know, Betsy and I were talking about it last, last night. Like one of the wonderful ways the original series used Al was giving Sam a quick history lesson and what a wonderful, I mean, the, and you know, Ben is old enough and they were close enough to the present. Like Ben may have remembered this, but like Swiss cheese. Sure. Anyway, whatever. There could have been some excellent, some dialogue to explain to the audience who maybe wasn't educated. Like, no, we're in Portland and it kind of has this like liberal thing, but no, there is a whole like neo-Nazi thing here going on. And a lot of these people are going to show up to the insurrection on January 6th. This right. is kind of, a, a, you know, a seedy underbelly that, that, that the left doesn't like to acknowledge about Portland. So if they were going to actually do that, I wish they would have actually committed now, sure. I, I don't know if that's that was the writer's intention, but if that was their intention, I wish they would have committed to that because then it would have made some commentary. On so it. to to me, the thing is, is that would alter the story and take it into a place where I I, I don't think I would have connected as much to it. You know, it would it, yeah. instead worth noting that Volksfront, um, not that I want to give anybody any airtime like this, but is actually a neo-Nazi white supremacist organization based out of Portland, Oregon, that was started in the mid '90s and was indeed active in you know the time of this episode. Um, so so again, that basis in history is there. The thing is, is that. When Kathy burns down the restaurant, that is an act of violence and a transgression against Mm -hmm. this family. The, you know, we know what's in there. We see earlier on the pictures of, you know, the father and husband. We see Mm -hmm. the, you you know, the fact that, um, Manisha went out to the expensive grocery store and bought Mm -hmm. her ingredients to make her special meal for dinner. Um, we know all the stuff that's in there, all the work, all the love, all of the, the family stuff, even the fact that the cousins, you know, brought over that gift earlier on, um, um, you know, in, in memory of, um, the husband who passed away uh, about a year prior to the episode taking place. It is, you know, it is such a transgression. Um, It is, Mm -hmm. it is a hate crime. It is, you know, plain and simple as far as I see it. And so for me, it's like, I think everything that you're saying is there. It's, it's up to me, the viewer, how far I want to take it. And I kind of appreciate the fact that 
that they didn't take it there because if they had for me, it would have taken away from the lovely story about this family, about you know, the, the, the mother and these daughters, it mm-hmm. really would have, it would have felt like now all of a sudden this is, you know, this is, um, an episode about uh, white supremacists and mm-hmm. it would have given, I think more air to that and less to a story about mourning and grief and mm-hmm. renewal and, and change, um, mm-hmm. and growth. And I'm glad that that didn't happen mm-hmm. actually. Well, for sure. I get that. But my point at the beginning of the conversation was if you didn't want to go there, you already had a fire and an eviction. And the thing is, to your point, one, I I got like a little excited in a way. I perked up a little bit, like when the fire happened in the afternoon instead of the evening and Addison has a line. Well, like Ziggy says, like there's a 2% chance. Like it could have just like, it was a brilliant brilliant moment. And I would have loved it if actually the fire had nothing to do with Kathy, if it was really just a fluke thing. And like Ben said at the beginning of the episode, like there were some wires, like obviously like rigged in an unsafe way, like wouldn't have been a brilliant thing of like, no, like there, there was this like, you know, malevolent force, but no, it wasn't them. Like literally like, like it just, it just burned down a little bit earlier because of faulty wiring in, in the building and it was kind of always meant to be. And since the fire was always meant to be Ben is there. And now what now, how does sure. Ben make it? How does Ben make it better? And how does he have it work it out? I like, like that. We, yeah, we could go, yeah, I, we I go around in circles all day long, but like I said, like the, yeah, the, like the, the, the whole, the whole Kathy thread, uh, especially the, with, with, with the goon, like it, it really took me out at the beginning of the episode, you know, and the, the last thing I'll say is just in general, and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot. We've even talked about it based off of sometimes, you know, what we've heard, uh, from, from others, um, uh, about the show is I think that it, there's, there's, especially in this day and age. And I genuinely feel like it's, it's more symptomatic of the past, like, you know, 15 years or so of television viewing, Mm. um, than, than ever before is that we as viewers now bring so much knowledge and expectations to Mm. television in ways that we never did before. And I'm not trying to say knowledge is in like, you know, we know how to make it or whatever. Cause we don't, cause we don't uh-huh. do it. But a lot of people quite frankly think they could. Uh, and if they uh-huh. could, then they, they would, but they, they aren't. So, yeah. uh, I think I what make happens, it clear. I'm just a schlub in a basement with a podcast. Right. All right. right. So I'm, yeah. right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, same here, but what, what the danger becomes, I think, uh, and danger, like, is it really dangerous? No, it's just good conversation. Right. But I think what the danger is, is that when you bring a lot of that to the table, is that sometimes our expectations can really limit our enjoyment of, you know, of what's actually there because Mm -hmm. we start asking for, and I'm not saying that this is what you are doing at all. I don't think Mm -hmm. it is, but I just think that this is a good time to kind of maybe bring this up. We start looking for the things that we want. And I think that a lot of times, like, you know, in general, art isn't necessarily there to give you what you want. It's, mm-hmm. it's there to, you know, to, to provoke in some way, right. A thought, a mm-hmm. feeling, uh, um, and, you know, provide that entertainment, that, that introspection that, you know, something, mm-hmm. something that we, that we, that we need deeply. Otherwise art just wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And when we start wanting things from it, it can severely limit our enjoyment. Now that's not to say that if expectations mm-hmm. haven't been built up in a certain way by, a a particular piece of entertainment 
you know, Game of Thrones lost and they mm. completely fumble the ball, then, um, I don't know why I said that. I don't even like football. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, 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 like, clearly there can be some disappointment, and I completely understand that. Um, sure. But, but yeah, I, 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 I think like it. It's so tempting sometimes to try to like want to rewrite, uh, uh, you know, the episodes or whatever in in, in, mm-hmm. in certain ways. Not necessarily. I mean, that's not what we do here. But you, you know, since since we were kind of talking about and, and spitballing, and we've done it before with, with oh, yeah. the classic series. But but I think that it's just important to note that. Everything that I want to do is look at what's there, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and, and then just kind of take that in for, for what it is and, and, and see like, you know, did it move me? Did I enjoy it? Did it, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and, 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 and not, you know, and try as, as much as possible to, to stay away from like shoulds, right? You, you know, it sure. should have been this, it should have been that. Um, and it's so tempting to do because there are, you know, there are obviously times when we see something and we, you know, we do, we want something from it and it's only natural. But I just think that like, again, that if I'm going to talk about the show from, you know, my own personal approach is to try to not enforce too much of that on it. Right. You know, just sure. to kind of see what it is. And I think that, Part of that is it's like the trust, right? With the, with the artist yeah. and the audience. It's the idea that the artist releases all control over something once it's out there, right? Like whatever they were trying to say, whatever they hoped to say, whatever, you know, they think it means is gone because it no longer belongs to them. It mm-hmm. belongs to the audience. It belongs to the world at large. And we get the opportunity then to, you know, make up our own minds about it. Um, and I think that the cool thing is, is in this case, cause it doesn't necessarily happen a whole hell of a lot on this show is that, you know, you and I do have this disagreement because it does show that like, again, that the way that we take it in is so different. And I think that that's, you know, it's super important to realize that because, uh, I think that the other thing that's kind of endemic of this day and age is that oftentimes there's not enough space made for those sorts of differing points of views. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about like art sure. and media. I'm not talking about that other shit where there's clearly a right and wrong and some people are just fucking off the rocker um (laughs) this is is why we're marked explicit on apple podcast um you know so so like yeah i i i don't know i i like it it kind of excites me and it makes me think like ooh, this is you know this is cool that we get to have a discussion like this um I can't wait to talk about some of the project stuff uh, because i want to hear your thoughts on that but before we get there um Mm -hmm. i do just want to talk a little bit about the excitement that Ben has over the sleep, like the uh-huh. connection that he has to it, yep. the giddiness over it, the yep. way that, that like Addison even remarks about like, you know, prior leaps and, 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 and like, you know, uh, Oh, we can put you on a space shuttle or, you know, basketball and, you know, all this sort of stuff, like, and bringing it back to the idea that this leap really just suits him, you know, and mm-hmm. he's, and he really is enjoying inhabit, inhabiting this world and the connection that he forms, um, you know, with, uh, the mother, uh, in particular is, 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 is just, I, I mean, it really is a driving force of the episode. Um, and, uh, Sonali who's played by Nandini Minocha. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best. Uh, but I know mm-hmm. that I'm yep. probably going to get some of these pronunciations wrong. Um, but, um, but Sonali, you know, I think the connection that Ben forms with her and, and kind of this, you know, idea that he's, you know, getting the surrogate relationship, um, and, and dealing with a lot of his own trauma, his own grief and own guilt over his mother, um, you know, mm-hmm. through this leap is really kind of interesting in a way. And it, and it does kind of take me back and make me wonder, like, when this course was being plotted out, right, to get Ben mm. to where he needs to go in order to, you know, ultimately save the day, um, what forces are at work here? Because we've seen 
these opportunities to kind of heal these wounds for uh-huh. individual characters along the way. And it's like, you know, let's, let's get metaphysical here. God, time, fate, whatever. How much of that is having a hand in putting uh-huh. Ben in these situations to prepare him for what's coming down the road. Right. And like how much is each individual leap going to kind of like add up in some way? How many callbacks will we see? You know, somebody up there likes Ben is right over your shoulder right now. Like, is he Uh going to need to use his fists at some point later on down the road? And like, he's Mm going to be able to be like, Oh, right. You know, and I, I I hate to like, I, I, I'm not trying to like say it's point of order, point of order. He, he brought the boxing thing in, in episode four. Like in the right. first scene. <laughs> right. Anyway, right. Go ahead. yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a great yeah. point. That's a, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, um, you know, so will that, will that come up again? You know, all of these little things along the way adding up. And so it, it, all that is to say is that the way that, um, what you might have mentioned earlier about thou shalt not the way that grief and mourning permeate this episode. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that, all throughout the entire course of the episode, it really is about finding, you know, these ways to, to deal with that, um, to move on, um, in, in, in healthy ways, I think is, is, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. And whereas thou mm-hmm. shalt not does this beautiful thing that by the end of the episode, you know, they're not done yet, right? You know, that there's mm-hmm. still a lot left to do that, that, you know, this episode does try to fix a lot of things. And yet the way that it ends mm-hmm. is, is just so, is so beautiful, um, that I don't care. Um, and, and, and I think that that, again, that Ben's relationship with the mother, uh, ends up being one of my favorite relationships he has had. Mm-hmm. with someone that he's on a leap with since sure. somebody up there likes Ben, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the things that I love about this episode, I, I love the relationship that he establishes with the mom. I love the, like the, like little montage, like during the lunch rush, like, especially like the moment yes. where, where he, he's grinding something or whatever. She's like, you're yeah. not doing it right. He kicks it back. And he just like, kind of like, like, like stands back. <laughs> It, right, it does right. this, you know, it does this little, uh, you know, pose. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I absolutely like, I, I absolutely like loved those moments throughout the episode. And I love like what, what Ben, what Raymond as Ben does. Like he, yes. he happens to the leaps, like, as you like to say. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he, he takes the, the lead on things and like the moments of like connecting like the mom and the daughter and like trying to, you know, bring everybody together. It's yes. fantastic. Like yes. the visceral reactions. Like I can, um, when, uh, Sonali passes out from, yeah. from the cut and right. he just freezes, freezes. Yeah. because he flashes back to his mom's aneurysm. Like I, I can feel that stuff to my core for a lot of personal reasons that I'm not going to get into. Cause I don't to turn this into a therapy session, but sure, like right. I can viscerally, viscerally like, feel that and like, like get that, like why someone would, would freeze up in a moment Absolutely. like that. And so, yeah, so I, yeah, I loved the, everything. Like all of those moments that you pointed out, like I loved those moments in this episode and I loved how the episode ended. Uh, we'll get into more like, like how everything all gets neatly wrapped up in the last scene, but Yes, everything you said to that. Like, the, the thing is, it's I wanted to see more of those moments 
in this sure. episode. Well, and I think and the that way. That's... Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think that that's, I think that's a fair criticism because so did I, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and for, for me, the, the way that I, you know, for lack of a better word, rationalize that again is that it's 42 minutes and that the episode again, mm-hmm. like I said, has this breakneck pace. I mean, the energy is so kinetic. You know, you, you mentioned like the camera work in the direction, like right from the very beginning, um, when, when, you know, Ben is in the kitchen, like things are happening so fast and we're moving uh-huh. with them. And, and, and like, it's really quite wonderful. I mean, it, it, it just, the episode just moves. And then when it doesn't, when it takes mm-hmm. a minute to stop and just rest on somebody's face, Oh, it's beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where, yes, did it leave me wanting? Yes, but I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I really am. And, and, and I think that part of the reason why is because ultimately, and this is one of the, 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 the needles that this, epi- that this series, this iteration of the series has threaded so well throughout the course uh, of the season thus far, in my opinion, is that oftentimes Ben is not there to necessarily steal someone else's moment. And by that, I mean, there are a lot of times, as much as we love the show, uh, there are a lot of times when Sam steals the Leapy's sure. moments, uh-huh. you know, um, life's deaths, births, et cetera, you, you know, healing moments, like all sorts of things that happen, you know, for these people that Sam has leapt into and, and they're not there to experience some of that stuff. And I feel like the wonderful thing about this episode is that, in spite of all of these things that are happening, I think that like Kamini gets to come back and mm-hmm. still experience a lot of this, especially sure. with the way things are left with Sonali. Um, and so because of that, the reason I bring that up is because of that, I don't mind as much that I don't necessarily get to spend more time that I don't necessarily get more of those sort of button moments. And that instead I'm just left with, you know, this sense of, been actively trying to change these people's lives for the better. And really like, I mean, the, the, I mean, one of the most beautiful moments as far as I'm concerned of the series so far is when Addison says, get ready to leap. And Ben is like, I don't think I'm done yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, even speaking about it, like I'm getting goosebumps because that to me, Mm -hmm. like that's quantum leap, right? Like, you know, I hate to say something like that, but it it just, it's almost, yeah, it, it 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 almost echoes like one of the five moments of "Thou Shall Not," where they're right. where they're standing on the beach after the the, the wife and husband reunite, and and I was like, "Leap, shalom, abidazain, whatever," right. yes, and all of right. that, and then right. and then Sam's like, "No, I don't think so," and then we cut to the and then we cut to the next scene. Yeah, you know, and it almost reminds one of my favorite one of my favorite endings to uh, an episode of the classic series ever is um, "So Help Me God." Uh, when Sam has saved this woman from, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, okay. from, from going to, to, to jail, going to the death penalty for a, a crime she didn't commit. And you think that that's it, right? Like, you know, why hasn't he leaped? He's mm-hmm. been there for a while. And in the end, he gives her the reader so she can, she can learn how to read. And that's when he finally leaps. And it's just sort of like, it's the, you know, it's mm-hmm. those things. It's those things that really matter. It almost reminds me, go with me for a moment. It almost reminds mm-hmm. me of Lord of the Rings. Um, one of the lines that, uh, that Gandalf has in the novels that they didn't get into the Lord of the Rings proper, they, but they did put it into the Hobbit film, I believe, um, is he talks about like, cause he's asked, you know, why, 
why a hobbit? You know, why, why Bilbo Baggins? You know, why are you, why is that your, your idea of a hero? And, um, and he talks about, you know, how important the small things are and how important, you know, the, the, the things that, that we share with, with other people, um, are as opposed to these big heroic deeds, like the, you know, the true heroism is, 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 is just living a beautiful life. Right. And, and like the true heroism here isn't stopping the restaurant from burning down. Right. It's, it's helping mm. Sonali find that impetus to move on, you know, that it's mm-hmm. not just about getting Manisha to, to, to be a chef. It's not just about saving this restaurant. Instead, what it really is about is making sure that Sonali knows that like, we'll mm-hmm. always need you. We'll always need you and, 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 and go to Egypt and, you know, and you live your life. Like this is, you're, you're not done yet, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and that like sharing that, I mean, I, I, I teared up probably three or four times during this episode, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and maybe that's one of the reasons why I can't throw out a bus for, for, sure. for, 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 for a goon with a gun or whatever. I know. I, I get, you know, like I said, I, I'm not completely throwing the episode. No, I know you're not. I know. And maybe, maybe after the first viewing, I was. But the second, because I watched it, I, I did find time yesterday afternoon, yeah. and then I always watch it with Betsy, and then I watched it with Betsy last night, got a little bit more of her perspective, and also, like, being able to shake off the things that, that I didn't like about the episode, I was able to appreciate sure. the family moments of yeah. the episode more. But to jump back to, you know, you talk about how, like, the first half of the, uh, the, first half of the episode is very quick-paced. Like, it very, uh, like, Chicago-style theater popped into my head, mm. and it, I think I've used the term right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like this, this kind of theater where the dialogue, especially at the beginning of the play, it just comes fast and quick. Like we yeah. are establishing, we are just establishing all of the information that you need. We are just putting it out really quick. It is not natural conversation in any way. We are just putting out his information as yeah. much as possible. So like from like, like from that kind of perspective, I did, appreciate the first bit of the episode, like, cause we learn so much about the family dynamics right. in the first half of the episode. On the other hand, because we're dividing between the leap story and HQ story, you know, we're, we're obviously going to lose a little bit of time. And this family has so much history that some of it, uh, Betsy put it in a great way last night. She's like, uh, Every character in this episode is their own Greek chorus. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. You know, I it's interesting because I I, I think for me the the way I connect to that statement is the idea that um, I can absolutely see the extended family representing that that kind of. Greek chorus, the uh-huh. way that, that, that they come in in particular, the way that they come in in the end and everybody kind of has their, their supportive line, you know, their, 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 their support that they're giving. Um, now obviously in, in, in Greek tragedy, they would instead be telling the hero everything that they've done wrong and why they're going to hell sure. for it. But, uh, in this particular case, you know, it's the opposite, right? It's a happy ending. Um, I think that, because because part of the, the the work that these actors do and 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 the way that Sonali and, and Manisha feel so lived in 
and that Ben is able to kind of connect quickly with them. And, and again, you know, is really proactive in a lot of the, the ideas that, that he has to kind of try and help things like the Groupon thing. Like it's awesome, you know, and Groupon mm-hmm. was new at the time. Like it's absolutely right. Like Groupon started in November of 2008 in Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so yeah, 2009, it would have been new because we're 2009 Portland, Oregon. We didn't mention that uh, earlier. Like, you know, j- just some of the stuff that, that he does and that they kind of figure out. And, you know, like when Addison gives the information, about the investor and buying the place and, you know, the, um, mm-hmm. the five senses lie to all this sort of stuff. Like there's so much really cool stuff that drives the episode forward that drives Ben's actions, you know, towards this ultimate goal of trying to save the day. Um, and realizing, you know, he's not there to save the restaurant. He's there to save the family. Right. And I think that that's set up mm-hmm. pretty well from the beginning, because of course the other information that we haven't talked about here is the fact that after the, the restaurant burns down, Sonali dies of a heart attack shortly thereafter, yeah. um, like yeah. a few months after. And so, you know, echoes, which echoes Sam's dad dying from the original series because we don't find out till promised land, which this episode kind of has some echoes of promised land. Yeah, that's uh, that. But like we don't because we know like Sam's dad dies from a heart attack, but we don't know until the last season that them losing the family farm is one of the things that that drives that. Anyway, yeah. So it's like echoes of the original series there. And then, of course, the parallels between, you know, Ben losing his mom and, 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 and finding yeah. out through the course of this episode that Ben's mom, you know, had a dream of opening a restaurant as well and that yeah. she put her life on hold for, you know, for him in so many ways. Um, mm. Raymond is so superb, you know, as usual, but the, the, the combination of his, you know, his comedic timing, his sense of humor, his compassion, his depth, his mm. warmth, like it just shines through in this episode in so many wonderful ways. And, um, it's funny because sometimes I feel like when you have episodes, uh, of television or plays or, or films that, that, you know, that move with, with, with such force, sometimes I feel like you can, you can literally watch an actor get lost. You know, they just get mm-hmm. lost in the, in the shuffle of things that are going on. There's a scene in Lincoln actually, uh, by Spielberg where, um, the, the Lincoln is in the telegraph office and they're getting reports of what's happening, like on the battlefield and stuff. Um, and, uh, it's funny because so many of the actors, I feel like in that scene, cause it's so rapid fire get lost mm-hmm. and, and this might mm-hmm. be intentional. So, so, you know, again, who, what do I know? But there's, 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 a, you know, there are a couple of moments in there and it's like, Daniel Day-Lewis and Adam Driver are like the only two actors that don't get lost in that particular moment. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because all Adam is doing is like transcribing the telegraph stuff, you know, and Mm -hmm. then ripping it off and like handing it, you know, to the, to the president or whatever, but you can just get this palpable sense that like, you know, not everybody's keeping up. And, and I think that one of the things that's amazing is like, you know, obviously like Raymond is, you know, he's, he's our number one, right. On on, on the cash sheet, Mm -hmm. like, you know, on the call sheet, like he, you know, he, not only keeps up, but he helps to drive so much of that, um, in, in very active ways. And, and it's a joy to watch. And he was, he was just uh-huh. a joy to watch in this episode. Little things too, like the way that, <laughs> the way that he, you know, checks himself out in the mirror. Um, like there's oh, this, yeah. there's this wonderful thing where it's like, it's not even like, um, you know, where he's like, he's like looking at his reflection kind of like, you know, like, yeah, it's more just sort of like, uh-huh. oh yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I I love that 13 episodes in this series has gotten with Ben leaping into women where it took five seasons for the original series to get. Mm -hmm. 
where it's just a very matter of fact thing and women's issues where I'm thinking of like the three episodes, like three episodes alone in just season five in close proximity to each other, Dr. Ruth's liberation, which were back to back and uh, revenge of the evil leaper. Yeah. That was like very, all very close to each other. And while right. a couple of those episodes dealt with women's issues, you know, it was just like very matter of fact. And I love that this series is already getting there. Oh yeah. Um, and, and even on top of that, I would add to that, the idea that like, this is an immigrant family and that, you know, so much, I love that. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, so much of the, the episode, like while clearly their, you know, their status as, as immigrants, you know, it, it causes some issues. Right. Um, I, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't, at least if that wasn't at least addressed a little bit, however, absolutely. Yeah. Ultimately, so much of this story is, 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 is just human. It's just a human story that anyone can connect with. And, and, mm. and I think that, you know, that that's kind of the thing that's so, you know, so important about telling, you know, telling a story like this. And, and again, you know, mm. it's the reason why I'm, I, I think I'm glad they didn't steer harder into certain aspects of it. Um, sure. But, uh, uh, yeah, so, I, 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 I just think, again, I think that the leap, in, in my opinion, just works overwhelmingly, you know, in, in the favor of the show and, and tells a really wonderful story. And it feels, it feels kind of classic and timeless in a lot of ways. Um, and I think that the other thing that's remarkable, uh, and I'm speaking just for the leap at this particular point in time is sure. that here we are, you know, uh, 13 episodes in and look at all the things that this show can do. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more coming, you know? Mm. I mean, you look at the, the, the teaser for, for next week's episode and it's just mm. sort of like, holy That's, mackerel. Yeah. But can we you talk know. about what made me feel old about this episode? <laughs> Let's do it. Groupon. <laughs> Cause at first I'm like, Oh man, that's just kind of cheesy. And I'm like, no, wait, 14 years ago, big cultural thing. Yep. Yep. Nope. Nope. Um, he signs up for a special ridiculously quick. That is not how Groupon works <laughs> back then. I don't even know. I'm not even sure if they're still around now, oh, yeah. back then they definitely, are around. that, that is definitely not the way it worked, but you know, 42 minutes, you got to do something, whatever. But at first I was like, oh, that's just kind of a cheesy thing. I was like, oh, no, right, that clicks. And then Betsy pointed out last night, like the whole, like one of the subtly brilliant things about bringing the, the, the food critic in and that whole thing is like the term foodie, like 2009, like this era is when people really started like becoming foodies. That's how they started talking about it. And places like Groupon helped feed that a little bit by like providing this like avenue of like going out to eat for cheaper especially yeah. post recession. Yeah. And like, you know, that's how you we were able to like go out and experiment. Well, with new yeah. restaurants and, 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 and you have to think smartphones and social media mm-hmm. helped with that as well. You yeah. know, you, you know, it's like that perfect fusion, right? And it's like, now I can go, I can go eat good food, you know, cheaper and, and, and I'm going to take my pictures and I'm going to post my stuff and you mm-hmm. know, there it is. Um, yeah. and yeah, it, it is interesting because again, that's one of the things, right? Like Deborah talked about the four H's and, and sometimes mm-hmm. when we think of history, like we, we expect there to be like this big lesson, right? Like even thinking about leap, die, repeat, right? Where we get the, the, the Kennedy speech and, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. And it's like, Whoa, history, right? Well, but the thing is, is like, 
and this is one of the things that I think that you and I were excited for before the series ever premiered. The idea that like, no, there's like, we've lived history just in the past decade, in the past 20 years, Mm -hmm. in the past 30 years and so on. And now seeing some of that stuff get explored. And when you think about the ramifications of the internet, of stuff like Groupon, like, you you Mm. know, it's little things, but it gives you a lot to chew on if you're just willing to kind of take that ride, right? You know, it's not just as simple as like, you know, oh, that's funny, right? I mean, it is. Like, there's definitely some humor to be mined from it. But even more than that, like, just just follow that rabbit hole for a minute and think about, the, mm. you know, what Groupon means and think about the way that, you know, uh, uh, that there are so many other discount services that have, you know, sprung out of that. Yeah. And you, you see all sorts of restaurant weeks and you see all the, you know, and and, and, and that restaurants and food is status and and, 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 and and the way that we, you know, that we share our meals now without really sharing a meal. And, you know, I mean, it's so loaded. Um, and you just, again, you just have to kind of be willing to, to do a little bit of that work and go there. And I think that that's one of the remarkable things about a series like Quantum Leap is that they get to give you these little, you know, these little morsels of history and, and mm. you get to kind of choose what to do with them. And I think that that's kind of one of the things that the show's always done well, even the classic series. Mm. You know, yes, there were big events that were touched on, absolutely. And, and, and I think it's very easy mm. in the way that, you know, certainly I know that we've even romanticized that, that particular era to look back at like the 60s and the 70s, mm. y- 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 you know, and, and see some of the things that, that, that the classic series did during those times. Um, but, but again, I mean, even, even uh, the poster's there, so I'm just back to it. But even like somebody up there like Spen, the way that Vietnam mm. is handled in that episode, yeah, you know, so there's like, I don't know. I I, I just think that this episode sure. has so much of that hope, heart, humor, and history that Deborah talked about, and mm-hmm. and 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 for me, it all plays so well. Yeah. So I want to go on a quick tangent, but I I want to come back to Groupon. So anyway, I, I agree with all of that, but I would I would challenge the series to go a little bit further because, like I said, with the with the neo Nazi thing, if that's what they were leaning into with with Kathy and Frank. At all in this sure. episode, like you have to make a meal out of it, just like a couple of lines from Addison. Uh, I would appreciate it like 2009, like them just dropping a couple of lines about the recession that hit in 2007, sure. 2008, because like that, you know, that was a big cultural thing. And I'm thinking and like as I'm thinking of like what the series can do with these moments in history, I'm thinking of the 12 year old kid who is watching the show right now and how I absorb the show as an 11 and 12 year old kid, like going back to thou shalt not, I had no idea that there was a gas shortage in the <laughs> 1970s until thou shalt not. Cause like they have a scene where like they, they're like one of their scenes is like them sitting, waiting to get gas because that was a thing. And that was just, that was just the backdrop for, for them to have a conversation that just had to do with the characters and the story itself. But as an 11 year old kid, like that's how I learned that there was a gas shortage back in that year. Sure. I wonder, I wonder if, you know, maybe we are looking at it like, you know, two folks in their forties, as opposed to looking Mm -hmm. at it, like maybe a a 12, 13, 14 year old watching the series would look at it because I got to think, and I could be completely wrong here that if I'm watching the show and it's 2009 and you know, there's all this stuff going on. Like I'm probably just going to pick up my phone and 
you know, it's like, what was happening in 2009? You know, like, mm-hmm. like how much of it needs, because obviously when we were watching the show 30 plus years ago and, and, and there's information, you know, today, would they, would they have talked as much about the gas shortage, right? Like, would mm-hmm. there have been that, that moment on the radio? Would there have been the conversation in the car? Would it have instead just been, we see a queue lined up to the gas station and then the conversation happens and that's it. Sure. Because in this day and age, it's so easy. Like that information is so easy to get. Like how much, how much time as, as a writer, as a director, as a producer or whatever, how much time should I waste trying to, to, you know, give them that moment as opposed to sure. just give them a hint of it. Just say like, it's 2009, go with us. We're going to tell our story now. And then if they want to learn more, they can easily do that. I don't know. Sure. Let's just see. Yeah. I was I wasn't like for thou shalt not like what I remember, like literally it's two lines, like literally it's like they're in the living room and the brother says, Oh, I better get gas now. Cause it's going to be a nightmare later in the week. And then Sam just says to himself, ah, oh, gas shortage. That's right. Yeah. And then that was it. Then they were at the gas station. Anyway, do I want to go on this group on tangent? Sure. I threw it out there. Let's go on this group. On tangent. <laughs> do you remember in the 2011 Super Bowl? When Groupon totally shat their bed with their with their Super Bowl commercials, I do not. So they did at least three Super Bowl commercials, and the setup was is like the the start of the commercial. You think you are um, watching a PSA to talk about some environmental or humanitarian crisis, and they were they were uh, Timothy Hudson was in one commercial. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., I think, was in another commercial, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And it starts off like environmental disaster, the humanitarian crisis in Thailand, all of this is whatever, specifically the one in Thailand. So you have Timothy Hudson, Hudson, Hutton. I can't, Hutton, yeah, you have Timothy Hutton. Hutton. Yeah, you have Timothy Hutton narrating this thing like the humanitarian crisis in Thailand. This is happening. This is happening. But they sure make a mean chicken curry. And because oh, me and 200 other people no. bought a Groupon, we all get to enjoy this. Oh, and they did God. they did three of those commercials. Now, this is another, like, we've done, like, a few Chicago stories on this episode. So Groupon started in Chicago. And at one point, this is before your time in Chicago, because you got there, yeah. like, what, 20, 2013, 2013? Yep. 2013, yep. 2014, yeah. In 2010, 2011, it was a safe bet that... If you were in the Chicago theater scene, there was a good 25% chance you worked at Groupon. Yeah. In customer service or somewhere higher. Like one time during this era, I literally sent out a tweet and I tagged Groupon and I said, whenever I meet another Chicago actor, I just assume that they work at Groupon. And they tweeted back, your assumption would not be wrong. (laughs) So the the person handling that social media account was probably a Chicago actor. (laughs) Was probably, yes. So the day, the day after these Super Bowl commercials, on the way home from work, I run into Susan Myberg on the train. Susan Myberg, another Chicago actor. I think you met her through Fault yeah. Lines. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she worked she, on Fault She and Dan lines. were, yeah. like, our, our kind of our around-the-corner neighbor. When, uh, yeah. So, yeah, we used to run into him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I ran into her on the train on the way home from work that day, and I knew she worked in customer service at Groupon. And, oh, she had a rough day. Yeah. She looked bad because all she did all day long was field phone calls from angry people who are riled up about those commercials. I can't say that I blame them. 
Although I wish they wouldn't have taken it well, you know what? out on but, Dear but, Sweet but, Susan. <laughs> yes, but, but here's the thing. She was telling me one, like particularly the Thailand commercial. This one guy, he just, he called and he's like going off on her, going off on her. She tried to explain. She's just customer service. You know, she gets it, but she can't help or whatever. And the guy just kept going on. And finally, she ended the conversation by saying, sir, how much do you care about Thailand before you saw that commercial last night? And that ended the conversation. Yeah. Anyway, we have not had a tangent like that in a while. Thank you for indulging me on that. No, if you're, if, uh... you're, if, if you're an old listener of the show, we used to go on those all the time, which is why we had the hour episode. <laughs> but yeah. It's a, you know, it's a good one though. And, and, and I, and I think honestly it connects well with the point that I'm making about the idea that, you know, when you have the opportunity to evoke something, mm-hmm. um, you know, do it, you know, and, and do it in a nuanced way as opposed to, you know, just shoving everything right in, in, in your face and saying like, you know, I don't know. Again, the way the Groupon was used, it was kind of, it was kind of humorous and it worked and it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, the point wasn't believable. No, 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 right? I'm not, I'm not yeah. Saying, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I, said, it, it I love how it's feelings on us, you know? Sure. I love how it was used in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Quibbles, yeah. quibbles over like how quickly Ben was able to sign up, but you, you, you got, well, sure. Right, 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 right. You can't like, you like show the montage of like him on the phone with the representative and, and working out like the cut and everything. But there's, um, well, there's a wonderful yes. line. There's a wonderful line too, that comes out, I think, uh, shortly after the Groupon idea, uh, you know, when Addison is talking about the, the space shuttle and, and, and everything. And, uh, you know, Ben has line science hasn't figured out the immigrant, um, <laughs> Uh, problem, uh, or the immigrant thing, excuse me. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I just, I, I love that because when we're faced with some of these practical issues that Ben has had to face, you know, had, had to deal with throughout mm-hmm. the course uh, of the episode, you know, there, there's generally a, a practical answer, right? You know, an answer that, that is, that, that Ziggy can help with or, you know, that Addison can, can come through and, and help with, right? Like helping with the cut on the hand or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to some of these emotional issues, these very human issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, finding a way to handle those situations presents kind of these unique challenges. And, 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 and I appreciate that. And it's also interesting because I feel like in general, that's something that Sam was really good at. Sam mm-hmm. was always very good at like connecting with people and, 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 and helping people. And we see that echoed so well in the challenges that, that Ben faces as, oh, yeah. as well. Um, you know, the way that he brings people together, right. That, that, uh, he has that beautiful line too, about the dad early on about how he was the glue and it's just sort of yeah. like, yeah. And so were uh-huh. you, you know, and mm-hmm. that, and, and that to me is, it's like, is that foreshadowing? Is that like foreshadowing the notion that something is going to happen over the course of these next six episodes that we see this family start to kind of like come apart. And I think we might actually start to see it a little bit in this episode, which we're going to get to in just a second. Mm-hmm. But it also taking it back to the very end of, of, of the leap, you know, the, the way that he shares certain things with Sonali, um, you know, when, when mm-hmm. uh, actually it's a little bit before that, when he says, do you really want pride to get in the way of family? Um, yeah. You know, the, the impetus to go get Manisha, which not only takes us to that wonderful uh, uh, set that, that, that uh, of, of the, the pizza shop, mm-hmm. uh, which is just uh, lovely and realized so well, but it also gives us it's too late by Wilson Pickett playing underneath, um, mm-hmm. which was just, Lovely. Uh, mm-hmm. love so much about that. Uh, and, and, um, and then later on with, you know, with the scene on, on the bench at the very end with Sonali, um, you know, 
I don't know. There's, there's something about the way that he deals with these human problems, the sensitivity that he brings to bear on them. Um, it just feels so right. And, 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 and he's uh-huh. always willing to connect and fight for these people that he might only know for 12 hours. And I just, okay. I just, I just love that. And there's something again, you know, here he is 13 leaps in, it just feels very natural. Like everything, like he's uh-huh. like, he's like, I, you know, I, I'm, this is what I do now. This is, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and there's and a vulnerability. And he's excited about it. Yeah. And he's excited about it. Right. Which yeah. is awesome. Mm. So let's talk about the project stuff. Um, look, I love the, the scene where Ian is, is looking at the drawings. Um, I, 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 I love the idea that they kind of try to play it off as a joke at first. Um, you know, you have a very, uh, interesting and slightly disturbing, you know, or whatever they say, uh, uh, artistic, uh, eye here. Um, and then of course, Jen and, and, and magic let them know, you know, this is what happened. And, the way that it lands on Ian, I mean, it's a profound moment. And I love the fact that we've gotten some wonderful moments with them recently where it feels like the rug is kind of pulled out from under them. Um, that, that, that they have no choice but to be vulnerable. Um, you know, we see it and let them play, uh, in the scenes with Addison, um, and, and we see it here. And mm-hmm. I think that it works really, really well because there's no doubt that prior to some of the stuff that we've seen in the past couple of episodes that Ian has absolutely been uh, a source of stability for a lot of the other characters. Um, you know, early on, there were certainly some moments like when magic divulged his experience uh, to them or, or, or when, you know, they're dealing uh, with Ben, leaping and everything. There's certainly some moments where they feel a little off kilter, but then they kind of get into like being sort of the moral support for, for the team and, 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 and making these discoveries and being, you know, kind of head down, let's get the work done. And so to see this moment where, where everything kind of gets upended, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoy the fact that they throw themselves even further into the work to try to figure out what the hell is going on. And that magic has to, you know, force them to take the day off. Um, you know, and, and, and I, and I also just love that line and it feels very magic to say, you know, it's usually not somewhere, someone, you know, to help, you know, bring me down and, uh, you know, get me centered again. And, uh, it leads us to, yeah, it leads us to Rachel, um, played by Mm -hmm. Alice Krimmelberg, who of course is, is, uh, Mason's partner in, in, in real life. Uh, and I think, I think they're perfect. I did not put that together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're, I, I just think they're perfect. I think that the, I think that the, the scenes that they share are, are, are wonderful. Um, I love that we get more backstory, um, for, for Ian, you know, that we meet their ex. Um, and, One of the things that I love the most is that we get and and Ian gets the affirmation that they are too good of a person to have ever done anything that would hurt these people Uh that they love. Even to the point that their ex who Ian thinks they have hurt, you know, beyond all repair is willing to look them in the eye and say, you know, you're, you would never do that. 
and and I, you know, and I do, I just think it's, I think it's really lovely. And I think that we get to see, you know, some, some growth for Ian. And I think that there's, you know, that there's a sense of confidence and a sense of dedication back to the mission. You know, we get the, the information really thrown at us in a very passionate way that Ben is their best friend. I love that. I love the idea of like, you know, that that relationship is something that we've never gotten to really see. Um, and I really hope that we do. And I think that we will. And, 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 and I just think that the Ian that sees those pictures is not the Ian that could ever leap to save the day. Uh-huh. The Ian that returns to the project and helps to try to find out where the hell this restaurateur is, is absolutely the Ian that will step into that accelerator to save the day. And that uh-huh. to me is exactly the type of thing that you want to do when you're creating these character moments and you're creating these little, you know, mini arcs that exist maybe, you know, for one episode. And I love the fact that instead of trying to move the arc forward, instead of trying to say like, all right, we're going to, now we're going to give them this and we're going to give them this new piece of information that instead they decided to say, no, this isn't about what happens. This is about the people. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love Rachel and Ian scenes out of context. I don't like how it got set up, but the scenes in and of themselves, I absolutely love everything you said. I totally agree with Sam. I hated that first HQ scene so much. I am yeeting it straight out of my head. Cannon like Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) Here's the thing. Wow. Here's the thing. With the episode wrapped uh, at the end of Let Them Play, I, I, I had no expectations. I had nothing that I wanted to see, like what comes next as far as, far as the, the HQ story goes. No expectations. Did not think, oh, they're going to do this or they better do this or whatever. But when Magic throws the notepad in front of Ian or, or however that scene starts, and it's clear that Magic, Jen, and Addison think that Ian has already leapt, and Ian has to clarify that it's future Ian that leapt. That's one of the two things, right with Frank the Goon with the gun, that just took me out of this episode and made me viscerally angry. These are very smart people. They have been working on a top-secret time travel project for the last five years. They are smarter than that. And I, and I get why, why they have to do that, why, why the writers feel that they have to do that, because they have to explain it to the viewer at home who, who might not put it together. But I would modestly put out there that most people who are into this show, like they already knew that. Sure. And it didn't have to be explained to them that it's future. Ian. Now, I don't know. There were some people on social media after let them play who, oh. thought, the, who, who, who thought the sketches were of, were of Janice. And that's a totally different thing. But I'm just saying, the, the 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 viewer that I want the writers to play to are the people 
who already knew at the end of Let Them Play sure. that that's future Ian. Sure. And I want, like, as far as the time travel stuff is concerned, I want everybody else at the project to be smarter. I want us working to catch up with them, not things being dumbed down for them so that everybody can play catch up. So the, the one thing I'll say to that is that I, you know, I, I, I don't disagree. I don't like, I, I get that. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and I would, and I would love to, to see more of that. However, in this case, those three people are not the smartest person in the room. Ian is by far. Mm-hmm. And Jen like I love Jen as a character, but Jen is not there to do anything with time travel. Like Jen is there to keep that project secure. Uh She has shown us multiple times that when it comes to some of the time travel stuff, my head hurts. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to make sure that we're all safe. You know, magic, I think has blinders to a lot of stuff going on when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the project. Addison, was training to be the leaper, you know, I don't disagree with what you said. Uh However, I think just there's, there's, there's multiple, I mean, again, there's multiple perspectives Uh on, on that scene. And, and yes, could the scene have been written in such a way that, you know, magic is is like, look, we think that at some point in the future, you're going to leap. And this is how we know and hand the notebook. Sure. Of course. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Maybe that would be cleaner. Maybe that would be better. I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to make that judgment. However, I know sometimes, you know, when you're talking to the smartest person in the room and you know, they're the smartest person in the room, you don't always necessarily come at things in the most rational and intelligent manner. Otherwise you'd be the smartest person in the room. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, you know, and that's a weak excuse and I'll admit that. Um, sure. but Ian's the smartest person in the room. Ben gets back and Ian still might be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. I can see that perspective, but but yes, still. And, here, and here's <laughs> now, now. Here's my next thing. Like I said, sure. the, the the Rachel and Ian scenes in a vacuum, out of the context. Love those scenes. Loved what we learned about Ian. Love the character growth that they had. Where the fuck is Janice? Where the fuck is Janice? I want Janice. See, I see. No, no. Okay. Here, here's the thing. No, here's no, no, thing. no, 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 no. Where 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 we I... left off? Where we where, where where we left off at the end of Leap Die Repeat. With, with magic throwing the thing out that, um, you know, maybe she should have been with us all along. You have, you have Ian gone. You have Ian out of the office now having this crisis of, 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 of character, this crisis of faith. Like, like, what does this all mean? The smartest person when it comes to, like, the mechanics of time travel in any room so far is Janice. Ben notwithstanding. At the project, it's Janice. If Georgina Riley is off shooting something else and she wasn't available, sure, I get it. But at least give us a line or two of dialogue of where she is and why they're not talking to her. 
because Janice is such a huge part of this series. She has been such a huge part of this thing so far. She is literally the first person that we see in the series. In a moment like this, especially when Ian is out of commission for a little bit, like I want them talking to Janice. Like I want her to be in the circle talking about what all of this means. I just, I, I, I think for me, if I'm being completely honest, I'm <laughs> sure. getting a little tired of, 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 of this idea that we have to see Janice more often, that we have to have this answer delivered to us, that we have to have this line, that we have to have the waiting room explained, that we have to have this. Like, it's just, it's mind boggling to me sometimes because I feel this, this, like, this idea that, like, there's 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 no sense whatsoever of any kind of patience, you know, that, that, that in this day and age of binge watching and being able to, you know, stream every episode of Stranger Things the day that it drops or whatever, and that you have to do it because if you don't do it, you're going to get spoiled on social media or this or that or ever. It's really just poisoned the well because I am I you know what? I didn't think of Janice at all while I watched this episode and I was fine with that because here's the thing. I know, I know, and not because I know, not because I have any inside information or whatever. I know we're going to get there. Like there's no way mm-hmm. that this is just getting dropped. Right. And anybody that thinks that it is, and there are people out there that apparently do are, are, are mm-hmm. like, like what? Like, come on, you know? And I know that's not mm-hmm. you, but like, I, I, it's the same, it's the same thing that like when people were talking about like, maybe that's not Ian, maybe it's Janice in a wig. It's like, what the fuck mm-hmm. are you talking about? Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck did you smoke before you watched this episode? You know, because I've done quite a few drugs in my lifetime, but I never did anything that would make me think that that was supposed to be Janice in a wig. Like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's not even get into the fact of how offensive that is at any kind of trans erasure, uh, because that's what it boils down to for me when people start talking about that especially when you have the writer and director of said episode come on our podcast and say definitively that it is ian it was always going to be ian that that's part of the story they've been telling this whole time like yes i'm very animated and pissed off right now because i just like so much of the crap that gets blown the show's way and it and it strikes a nerve and, and again this is not directed at you because i know that you're not that person so i understand where you're coming from but like it just starts to get to me sometimes and i just want to tell mm-hmm. some of these people like what are you on about? You know? And again, that's not you. It just mm. struck a nerve. And the reason why it struck a nerve is because again, I didn't think about her once during this episode. Mm. Now, now that you've said it, now that I've gotten all that out, pardon me, excuse me. Now that I've gotten all that out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not wrong. The opportunity to have had a conversation with Janice about this stuff is absolutely there. And the fact that it wasn't, necessarily taken in this episode makes me hope that it will be taken at some point down the road. When it comes to Ian's story, Mm -hmm. there is not one part of me that believes that they would go talk to Janice about any of this. No. And I, I didn't mean to imply that Ian would be the one going to talk to Janice. You think that the team like, would talk to Janice it, before they would take it to Ian? Yes. I don't. And the reason why I don't is because, again, the idea is, and, and again, it's an episode called Family Style, is this is the family. This is the mm-hmm. found family. Janice is not a part of that. Janice is someone they still don't trust. And, but this, 
but I mean, th- this ties into my thing of like, I want the characters to be smarter. Like when it comes to the mechanics of time travel, like not only did I want them to figure out that it's future Ian, but I also wanted them to figure out like, Oh, events have already put been put into motion. So here's we can't, we can't stop Ian from leaping in the future because it's already happened because if it does like that's going to screw things up. So we need to talk to the smartest person there is about, the mechanics of time travel to talk about like, okay, Ian is going to leave some point in the future. We know it's going to happen. We can't stop it. How do we deal with Ian right now? I think the thing, again, the thing is, is it like, for and the thing me, is, I, say, to say, I, I feel like they got there by the end of the episode. Cause I feel like while that explicitly wasn't said at the end of the episode, I feel like it was implicitly said with, with the wrap up scene, with Ian when they come back to the project. So I think they got there, but not in a way that I found satisfying. Sorry, I interrupt you. Go ahead. No, that's fair. I mean, that, that I, I think that that's, I, I think that that's fair. And I, and I appreciate that level, you know, of, of, of criticism. Um, and, and, and also that honesty that it's not a case of like, this is bad. You know, it's a case of like, it wasn't good for you. And that's, mm totally valid. But I think that the important thing there is, and this is something I hope that, you know, in the discourse that takes place about this show in general, because sometimes I see stuff and it's just sort of like, ugh, is that just because it doesn't necessarily work for you does not invalidate the show. And, and, and so much of the, you know, so much of the criticism that I see or some of the bad comments that I see, it goes that direction. And that's what I just, I, I just am losing my patience for because it's kind sure. of like, look, you can say something's not for you. You know, it's like, um, there's a story. It's uh, John Krasinski and I can't remember the director now, but uh, the, they saw a movie and it was a screening and they went back to this director's house for a party. And John Krasinski was talking to, to a group of people about how it was a bad movie. And the director like mm-hmm. pulled John Krasinski aside and said, don't, don't say that because you going out there and saying a statement like it's a bad movie you just invalidated mm-hmm. all of the work all of the effort that went into that and i know that you know what that is and i know that you know you know how important that is and i know mm-hmm. that you've been in that situation if you want to go say it's not for me if you want to say i didn't enjoy it i didn't connect to it that's fine but don't ever go out there and say it's a bad movie because mm-hmm. you don't get to make that call Right. And so mm. that to me is part of the reason why I, I sometimes I, I hear, you know, some of these comments or I, or I see some of the stuff and I'm just sort of like, no, it's not for you. And that's OK. It doesn't have mm. to be. But don't don't yuck my yum. You know, mm-hmm. I get you. <laughs> so so the so back to the Janus thing real quick, I, I will say that I think that, again, for me and one of the remarkable things, and this was mostly through Caitlin uh, and Addison, rather, it, 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 is that. Because this is a family and because they're trying to figure these things out um, as a family and they're not including Janice, they're starting to come apart a little bit. And uh-huh. the looks that Addison was giving Ian throughout the episode uh-huh. m- made me kind of go like, oh, and it was bittersweet because after after let them play, uh-huh. I'm just sure. sort of like, oh, man. And, and, and here's the thing. And this is the thing that bugs me. I was just thinking about these the other day, uh, separate of something else. Here's the thing that I hate about, in particular, Star Trek The Next Generation. I know we're not a Star Trek <laughs> podcast. Stick with me here. It's, it, it, it became a cliche 
in the next generation of a character, one of the main characters that we know and that we love and that the rest of the characters know and love, they would start to experience something because of some unexplained phenomenon that they were always experiencing. But instead of the other characters going, oh, like, we know Riker's a smart person. Like, we know. We trust Riker. We, we, we know that, that he's, not, he's not fucking up. Like, there's something going on. All of the characters take, like, why is Riker fucking up so much? Like, what's his story? Like, what's the deal? And I kind of feel that way because I, I, in particular, I honestly, I didn't really like notice those looks between from Addison going to Ian, but like talking about it is like, like, no, like I don't, I don't want the characters to start mistrusting each other over something like this because they're family Well, and they should see, know each other and they should trust each other more. Right. Shouldn't they? But, but think about Manisha and Sonali. You know, that's the other thing that I think that sometimes people miss, right? Is it's like, in this episode alone, we had an mm-hmm. example of a real family, blood relatives, not mm-hmm. trusting one another. Sonali did not trust that Manisha could carry the weight as a chef in the kitchen. Like mm-hmm. that was one of the, you know, one of the main issues of the leap. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that paralleled by the idea that this found family, this created family might not trust one another fully because they don't know what one of them is going to do in the future. Sure. Other than the fact that they know that they're going to leap. And here's something else to think about too, because that look was a little bit ambiguous, right? Mm -hmm. Is there an element of Addison now saying like, it shouldn't be Ian. It should be me that does this, you know, because Mm -hmm. think about this for a second. Maybe they are really smart people. We don't know that Addison hasn't talked to Janice. We don't know that Addison didn't go to Janice and say like, because think about the conversation they had a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, what if, what if, what if Addison, when she finds out this information is like, she's right. I can't trust anybody. Not mm-hmm. even, not even yeah. yet, you know, and, 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 and think about the weight of knowing that there is a moment in the future where Ian will have to, you know, step into the accelerator, leap back, find Ben, talk to Ben, Tell Ben that, you know, you've got to, you've got to stop something from happening. And here's where it gets really, you know, timey-wimey for us. If Ben accomplishes his mission, that future iteration of Ian will likely never exist. Mm. Possible. So... I mean, there's, again, there's just, there's so much, there's so much, there's sure. just so much going I mean, on. I would, and I, and I, I, would, I, just, I, would, I don't know. I, I, would, I would love to know that there's, outco- I love, I would love to know that there's outside conversations that are happening right now that maybe we don't see until a future episode. I would love it to find out in a future episode that by the time that Ian had come back at the end of this episode, it turns out the team had talked to Janice and they kind of worked out a thing. Like, how do we work with Ian knowing that future Ian is going to leap? I would love to have that clarity come back. And if, if that ends up happening, I will, I will give a me a couple, couple, couple of me, a couple, you know what I mean? I will apologize. I will give a me a couple. It's late. It's, it's like 10 30. Yeah, yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Anyway, you know, but, so, but, but here's the thing, yeah. but here's the thing. One of the things that I will say, and, 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 you know, not that I have to defend your opinions or whatever, but I will say that like, again, like I get where you're coming from. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that, and I think that it's valid, right? It's valid mm-hmm. because 
you, you know, that's what, that's what you're looking for. And that's what you, that's what you want, you know? And I, not that I don't want more of Janice, right? I guess for me, there's a certain, the, you know, when I, when I watch the show, it's just, again, sure. it's about, it's about just taking it in as it is. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and do I connect with it? Does it resonate with me? Does it move me? And if the answer to that is yes, y- 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more apt to overlook some of that stuff. Sure. Right. Um, also, I, because say, again, I, there is this part yeah. of me that's just like, I know we're going to see Janice again. And when sure. we do, it's going to be awesome and everybody's going to love it. We know they, yeah. lo- we know how much they love Janice. We, we've had, we've had both yeah. Dean and Deborah on the podcast tell us about how much they love the character of Janice <laughs> and Georgina. Sure. Like, we know I, she's coming. You know, I get it. I, I want to be clear from, from my gripe in this particular episode. Like, it's not, it's not like Janice the character that I want to see. It's not like I want to see Janice, like, you know, like, like trading jabs or like throwing out, you know, clever dialogue. It's Janice as the part of the plot that she serves right now. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I do. And I also get what you're saying about wanting these characters to seem a little bit more intelligent, perhaps, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to, you know, wanting to rise to a level that fits the world in which they, they operate. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that sometimes that's one of the frustrating things about, um, about drama, about network drama in particular is that oftentimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when we, when we watch the, you know, these shows, um, I think we're supposed to get aggravated when the characters do things that feel dumb or out of character, whatever the hell that means. And I think that, and I think that, and I think that like, that's one of the things that sometimes, you know, it's, it's intentional, right? It's intentional. It's, it's like, we are supposed to be frustrated. We are supposed to think to ourselves, you know, why aren't they doing this? And Mm -hmm. in asking that question, we hope that we get some kind of answer from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say as a counterpoint to that, Martin Garrow gave a wonderful interview like towards the beginning of the series. I, I think it was with Collider, if I remember correctly. And his justification, his reasoning for letting Ben remember who Addison was to him very quickly in the series was the idea that if a character doesn't know something that the audience does, even if there's a very good reason for that character to not know that information, if they go too long not knowing it, then the audience starts to think of it as the character is dumb mm-hmm. and you don't want that. And so, I never thought about that before. And so that that's and, and like, I guess that I, that, I guess, I guess yeah. I haven't reached that point. Right. Like, I yeah. guess, I guess, you know, certainly over the course of this episode, I never thought that. And I also, again, I look at these characters as having like these, these specialties, if you will. Right. Sure. And for me, like Addison, Jen and magic, yes, they're working on a time travel project, but none of them are, scientists right like none of them are like none of them have this innate uh, ability to sure. you know it's again they, they, even even ian struggles with it a little bit because it's not necessarily ian's specialty either right and yes it is yeah. janice's and right like shouldn't janice the most brilliant mind in the room like shouldn't shouldn't she be involved of course but there's a very good reason why she's not right now and like again we're gonna see that we're gonna get that resolution so sure i, I, I trust you to get the right but 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 i guess to say like they may not have their specialties, but they live in a world where there are time travel movies and TV shows. Sure. So they should have like a basic, you know, they should in have other ba- words, it would be like, in other yeah, words, what you're would, saying is, is if you can figure this shit out about time travel, then why the hell can't these characters? Absolutely. I mean, okay. the, the thing is, the thing is, it's like leap, die, repeat. 
Ben gets stuck in a time loop. Mm -hmm. Like if someone brought up a Groundhog's Day reference and Magic was like, wait, like what's Groundhog's Day? Like, like it's a holiday. It's February 2nd. Like what's up? And they're like, no, like Groundhog's Day is a movie starring Bill Murray. No, I've never heard of that. Tell me more. It's like one of those things. You know what I sure. mean? Which can be That's, incredibly charming sometimes. Have you ever seen the show? Sure. Bones? But, but no. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, but that's yeah. I, I again. I mean, I, I I get it. I get it. I, I do. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, we, we, I, I, we're just gonna have to wait and see. You know, maybe that's. I mean, that's something will, we can. We, and we can and ask I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that in cases like your like your your first episode, I like I have loved the last three episodes. And you said like you know you're in a place where I just like I'm taking the episodes and and I'm taking them as they are, and I'm enjoying them. Sam, I'm telling you, for three episodes straight, paging Doctor Song, leap, die, repeat, let them play. I was totally on board with that. And then the first 10 minutes of this episode happened. <laughs> Frank, Frank the goon and the first HQ scene like that, that, that put me in a different place. And so that's where I'm at. No, I still I, love the show. I, I, appreciate I mean, that. you know, if I, if I didn't love the show, like I would, you know, I would just be saying I'm done with it. And it, you well, know, we wouldn't have talked for an like hour an hour and a half. Exactly. And we still got the no, interview to throw to. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. No, I, I, yes, I know. And I, and I respect that. And I completely understand that. And again, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't say that you're wrong, you know, and I never would. And I, and I think that, you know, for the purposes of, 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 of the conversation, you know, it's easy to kind of like, you know, want to try to defend it or have a counterpoint or whatever, but I would be an absolute liar if I didn't say that it wouldn't like, does it bother me as much as obviously it bothers you? No, <laughs> not yeah. at all. That yeah. said, can mm. I see it from, you know, from another perspective? And can I see it in a way that says like, well, maybe if they would have done that, you know, maybe that would have been smoother. Maybe that would have felt mm. like it was, you know, more intelligent or whatever. And, and the other thing is I, you know, sometimes you, you, you just have to ask the question. It's like, well, what kept them from doing that? Right. Cause we've mm. talked to these people. These are some sure. pretty smart, passionate people that write and work uh -huh. on this show, right? So we yeah. haven't had the the pleasure. We haven't. Uh, we should. We should actually mention the writer, uh, Adrita uh, um, McKerji. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, um, but uh, uh, you, you know we've not had the pleasure of speaking with her. So I don't know, but but I, I you know I just get the sense that. Um, yeah, these are these these are smart, passionate people, creative people uh -huh. that are working on the show, and and sometimes there are reasons that we don't know of that that happens. Sometimes sometimes yeah. coverage gets missed. Sometimes a network exec says, oh, "I don't get it." Sometimes you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes these things happen, and so it's again, it's the other thing where uh, you know I might be willing to let some of this pass a little easier, uh, perhaps uh, than other people, but I don't know. Yeah, it's been an again, animated I just, conversation. It has. Well, again, <laughs> I, I just want to reiterate before we probably should uh, get ready and, and get into our interview yeah. with with Deborah uh, is part of what irritates me is like, like I said, like the half of episode, the half of the episode there that I that I love, I I love it. Like I was, and I was kind of like, it's your fault, Sam. You built it up on Twitter. You posted the thing before I had a chance to watch the episode, calling it a beautiful episode and comparing it to thou shalt not. I came into this thing 
waiting for thou shalt not. And instead, I got your interpretation of Americanization of Machiko. That's harsh. <laughs> I mean, at first, like, and then had you just like, oh, oh, wait, just my, but like I said, the, like I said, like the, the family drama, like the, the family drama itself of this episode, like I absolutely, I, I loved and enjoyed and it's everything else I've talked about the last. No, I, hour I know. And a half at this I, point. I, look, yeah. and I get it. And I think that the funny thing is, is that I don't, I, I, I actually, I actually, if I'm being honest, I share the criticisms of those two moments. I absolutely mm. agree with you. It did nothing to diminish my enjoyment of everything else around it. Because sure. ultimately, I felt like what we got is just this beautiful, touching story about grief and mourning of a family having trouble moving mm. on. And, and, and it was told well, it was, you know, well acted. Um, I, I, I loved, mm. I loved the swerve of the fire happening in the afternoon. Like just the, mm-hmm. that moment, I just was like, Oh, this is good stuff. Like, this is really cool. You know? And mm-hmm. then, and then, and then of course the end is so beautiful with the, the pop-up restaurant and the idea. And, and again, like just this, ah, I, I don't know. There's so, there's so I, much I love, that, that it was so touching, so moving these yeah. moments between these characters. Um, I love the fact that Ben remembered the random moment of going on the bad pop-up yes. date that Addison wants to forget. Like, Right, moments right. Like, like it, it's moments like that. It's like when they have the the idea of the pop up restaurant, and 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 Addison's like, "Well, how do we do that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. You work with a bunch of geniuses. Like, you go figure it out." And like how the camera, like, like they they go their separate ways to do their yeah. thing. Like, I loved moments like that. Right. Well, and and, yeah. and 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 like and then speaking, you know, specifically to the to the Ian stuff. Like I, again, for me, it was about the fact that they were able to have this this journey. That it was more that that they were more important than than the plot, you know. And I think that mm-hmm. that to me, like it served the story better. It served the character better. It served me better. And I felt like you know the opportunity to kind of to to see them struggle with this, to see them have difficulty, you, you know recognizing and understanding their place and all this and trusting themselves. Like that's the thing, mm-hmm. like the fact that they didn't trust themselves and, and mm-hmm. to have that crisis of faith in, in, in their own self and then get that moment of clarity and say like, no, if I did mm-hmm. this, I did this for a damn good reason. Yeah. I'm going to figure out what that is. And I just, and I, and I will, just love that. Yeah. And I will say, I love that that calls back to a moment in the pilot when Addison is freaking out over Ben having leaped and Ian, Echoes it pretty much says like the same thing of like, if Ben did this, he did it for a good reason. Yeah. Like, he knew, right. He knew we weren't ready. He knew he's probably going to lose his memory. He might get lost in time. I trust him that he did it for a good reason. And I love that by the end of this episode, they get to that place with themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, it's a winner. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I understand your criticisms, uh, and, and, and I don't disagree with them. Um, but, but it, it, I think it's a perfect opportunity to, to now, Take this conversation over uh, to one Deborah Pratt and hear what the director has to say about this episode. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I, I can't believe I, I can't believe she's coming back to join us already. It is fantastic. <laughs> and for a moment of total clarity, we haven't done the interview yet, so it's not like oh, we know what's going to happen here. We pre-recorded it. We we recorded this episode Saturday night. We're talking to Deborah Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of putting this on hold for right now, and we'll. Yeah. Here we go. Let's talk to Deborah. Let's do it. Uh, Deborah, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. 
Well, I'm a fan. I'm glad to be back anytime. You guys are so supportive and there's so much love here <laughs> that I will. <laughs> You had me at, hey, Deborah, come back and do the show. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was no pun intended. It was a bit of a leap of faith. But when you responded the way that you did, I was like, this is too cool. So I, I'm super excited to, to have you back so that we can talk about family style. Um, one of the things that Dennis and I commented on kind of in our initial overview uh, is how, and we talked a little bit about this last time you were on the show, how unbelievable it is that this is the first episode of Quantum Leap that you've ever directed. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole set of stories back then, but I was running the show. I was head writer. So anytime a show like fell apart or didn't come in on time and it was the next show that we had to shoot, it was my job to jump on it. So the four times that I was supposed to direct episodes, just the studio, the network, something went wrong. And literally I remember one, I remember one time, um, I had three days to write a show. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it was Seabride. I had to come up with an idea. Oh, my gosh. And write it. I think it was in three days. And truthfully, I'm I'm grateful to the muses that just go, oh, you shut up and listen and write. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the ones like, you know, very much like family style where I said, okay, we're going to do music. We're going to do a dance number. And I went to uh-huh. Scott and I said, can you tango? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, I never have, but I could learn. And a dear friend of mine who's, who's no longer with us, Bobby Duncan, I called him up. He's an ama- he was an amazing choreographer. And I said, I want a talking tango number. So I'm going to write the scene, but they're going to be dancing the entire time. And it was really funny that after we did the show, about a year after I saw it in um, multiple episodes of television, I saw it in movies where people talked and tangoed. So I feel like <laughs> started something. Yeah. Sure. Um, when you're, when you're writing uh, and, and obviously want to talk about this with directing as well, but how much uh, of the visual do you have in mind? Like how much of a vision of how it's going to look on television is in mind for you and how much of it is just focused on the way you're telling the story and the dialogue? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think, I think creativity happens in many ways. And sometimes when you're, struck by an idea or something inspires you, um, you're driven by telling that story. And then you go back and you look at the visual uh, elements of it and the creation of it. But when, when the story comes like full force, I've seen the movie, I'm just going to write it down. <laughs> then that's, that, that's what I call definitely visual storytelling because uh-huh. all I have to do is write what I'm seeing in my mind or hear, hearing in my head with the, the characters talking. And, you know, the characters on that show were so specific and succinct. Um, yeah. And I think for any show, the, the creators have got to, almost for the first two to three years, um, polish to make sure that the voices of the characters are consistent. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I see it here in this show uh, as well where Martin's voice and Dean's voice, um, the, the writers are getting it really fast. They're, gosh, they're a great writing. Um, they have a great writer's room that I'm, I'm excited about. So, yeah, it just depends. I, I wrote a book 
I know should I talk about this? I, I, <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have a boyfriend. And so one summer I decided I was going to write like a chick lit book called uh, Age of Eve. And I got about three chapters in and I'd set up this kind of romantic mystery and whatnot. And then for whatever reason, it turned so strangely erotic. I couldn't stand it. And I had no <laughs> idea. Was gonna mm-hmm. And I was, Get up in the morning, excited to go find out what the, where the story was uh-huh. going to go. And then sometimes it got so steamy, I had to get up and like, go take a cold shower. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I released the book and um, I did it under DM Pratt because I figure I've got a youthful audience with the Vision Quest and the new book Mirrors uh-huh. and things like that. I released the book and the reviews, one of the reviews said, wow, best sex I've had in years. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The muse, the muse spoke to you in a very specific way. (laughs) And it was funny because I didn't want it to, I, I was stuck at this point and I didn't want it to be about, I said, well, obviously some force has entered into her world. And I went, oh no, I can't be dry. Uh, uh, vampires. I'm totally tired of vampires. <laughs> I still wanted to to be. Um, what was the other? What was the other thing happening at the time? You know that whole fantasy thing. I mean, it definitely became a fantasy. And for whatever reason, my instincts guided me to the um, to the internet. Thank God for the internet. And <laughs> I remembered reading in the Bible that there were these beings. So the story goes that. First, God created the world and the universe, and then God created perfect human beings called the Nephilim. And they were basically immortals. Mm -hmm. And they were so perfect that he banished them. And then he created the angels. The angels half went bad with Lucifer and the other half were, you know, stayed good with, with God. And then he created humanity. And when he created women, the Nephilim leaned in and went, oh, I got to have some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh. uh, According to the Bible, um, that's why. So the the Nephilim came down and seduced all these women and had these children. And God said, oh, no, that's not going to happen because you couldn't compete with them. They were beautiful. They were perfect. They were whatever. And so he sent the flood. That's why Noah's... Mm blood happened Mm. to kill everybody so he could start again and get rid of the Nephilim. But according to the Bible, um, Noah's one of Noah's daughters was already impregnated and she carried the portal open. So I'm going, okay, well there's a whole story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The direction that it went. And um, yeah, it was fun and interesting and it got stranger in the next books, uh-huh. I wasn't as happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fascinating, though. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love because I love hearing about the inspiration. And I'll, I'll never forget. I think it was uh, I read this about Orson Welles. Yeah, it was Orson Welles said that uh, ultimately all you ever need is the Bible and Shakespeare. And if you use those two things as your influence, you'll tell good oh. stories. <laughs> and uh, wow. and I think that that's you know, I think that that's that's perfect in so many ways because it's true. <laughs> Really true. Wow. I have to remember that quote. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah, and, cool there. Yeah. And, and I think I, I think Kirk Douglas in his first novel, uh, he had one of the characters, a director, say to the main character, um, 
that all of his westerns were just Shakespeare, you know, with cowboys. And 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 so the the actor went on to write, you know, screenplays and direct films and that that's what he did. He went back to like Hamlet and Macbeth and you know and just was transposing them to to you know old west settings and that's where he found his success. Um and it's I mean we see those stories retold so so often. Um, and uh, you know, here's, here's a, here's a clunky segue, but, uh, a story, again, stories that we see retold so often are stories about families and stories about the connection between family members. And for, for me personally, I feel like family style does such a wonderful job of telling the story about a family in grief, a family mourning and having difficulty finding their place without you know, a very important member uh, of their family. I mean, every member of a family is important um, being present anymore. And the wonderful thing about the episode is I think that that's paralleled really nicely with the stuff at the project. And the difference being that this is a found family. This is, you know, this is a creative family of people who came together and, and, you know, love and work with one another. Um, and I really enjoyed those, those parallels. Um, Adrita McCurgy, did I, did I, did I say that properly? <laughs> um yeah wrote the episode um she's she's written some other stuff that i really love uh i know she worked on supergirl for a while she also worked on reacher the amazon series which i think is so much better that it probably has any right to be it's it's actually an incredible show uh and and i know she wrote a few episodes for that as well um when at what point did the script kind of like come to you? Was it always something that you knew from the beginning that you would be directing this episode or, or was it finished and then kind of presented to you as, you know, Deborah direct this episode for us? Well, I, re I receive, um, you know, once, once the network approves the story concepts, I receive um, the beat sheets of what they send to the network of the studio. Okay. And I, I had my eye on it because it was different from the rest. It really was, you know, it really leaned into um, the original Quantum Leap more than, than most of the episodes did. And when they, you know, sent the script out, I read it and um, called and called Adrita and said, I want to thank you because you nail this as a Quantum Leap. It has all my four H's. It has, um, a really wonderful, touching, universal story about family, about growing up and looking for independence as, as children and following your dream, about parents not knowing how to let go because they have done this job since the day of their children's birth. And if you have kids, you know this. It's hard to let go and finally get it. I mean, even with my own kids, <laughs> it's hard not to say, well, have you tried this? And well, what about this? You know, when they're facing a difficulty and finally, um, Nicholas, my son, who's over at Meta, uh, he had bought a house and the house had all these problems. And I'm going, well, let me get you to so-and-so and I can call so-and-so. And he goes, mom, I got this. And <laughs> in that moment I felt, oh my God, I'm not needed anymore. And when I read oh, Adrina's that last scene, yeah. Yeah. I said, I know exactly how to play this. I know exactly what yeah. to do. And um, I have to say that oh. Nandini, no, the mom, Anisha. Nandini, no. mm -hmm. uh, Nandini, Nandini played Sonali. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sonali, Nandini, Sonali. She and I sat down and had this talk on the set about 
I asked her where she was in her process of of um, this this character in this moment, and um, she conveyed a, a very personal story to me. And well, I don't want to go into the details of the story, but <laughs> I conveyed one back to her, and I said, mm-hmm. "This is what I need from you in this scene, and this is the arc that I need it to take." And I, I was very specific. Um, in what I felt the character had to do. She nailed it. She nailed it. She let, she let go of the emotion of the fear um, of what it's like to be, you know, older alone. These children are all I have. This restaurant is what I had that, you know, maybe now has a chance. That was the hope that needed to, to be a true quantum leap. And then, and then with, um, with Raymond, I said, this is the moment that you never had with your own mother. And it's so important to so many people who never got to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. The two of them got out there and literally people at, at when I said cut, people were crying. And I said, <laughs> we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. So, you know, I knew what I wanted. I knew the fun. I knew where the fun was going to be. We only had seven days to shoot it. I said, everything's handheld. <laughs> Uh-huh. The bear. We're going to go for her chef, and um, and Tim Bellin was an amazing director of photography. Yeah, um, and it was a great, you know, uh, joint effort. And they let me play. You know, they uh, we had cranes and cameras that um, that wonderful uh, shot above the war table where mm-hmm. uh, Ian is is searching for what happened. You know, what are yeah. the scenarios, the possibilities of what happened? What went mm-hmm. wrong? What could he have done? And um, they have done, I mean, their performance was so intimate, I thought. Yes. Both yeah. inside with with his found family. And then to introduce um, Allison, who, by the way, is his true other person girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was really thrilling to have that opportunity. And she's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that you know having having her on the show um, was inspired a bit of casting, to say the least. And they, um, you know, Mason, Ian, um, I thought that I, I completely agree. The performance that they gave and the you know and and the way that it was written, I think the thing that I loved so much about it is that we got this huge piece of information at the end of Let Them Play that's so important to the arc. You know, the the the, the big picture story that's being told. And then instead of trying to throw all of this, you know, stuff at us to keep that ball moving in some sort of, you know, fast paced way. Instead, we got a more intimate character driven piece of the story. That was all about them being able to accept what happens, what may happen in the future and their role in it. And the way that that, I think that line between self doubt and, 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 you know, hoping that they're going to do the right thing and needing that affirmation and the way that magic kind of, you know, shepherds them along to say, you know, Hey, it's not, it's not somewhere. It's someone go find what you need. Uh, I just thought it was, it was wonderful. And yeah, Alice, uh, Alice Krimmelberg as Rachel, I, I thought she was just fabulous. And, and, you know, seeing the two of them together, one of the things 
that you mentioned about the handhelds is that the episode had such a kinetic feel to it. And it was, I mean, the pace is pretty breakneck. <laughs> but mm. then in those moments when it's not, when things just slow down, I love the way you just allowed the camera to rest on the actor's faces and just see them up close. And it, you know, and we, and I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, the, the choice that you made and why you made the choice to keep things again, the episode starts and things are just moving in that, in in the, you know, in the kitchen. Um, but then we get these small intimate moments where things just kind of, we, we get to take a breath, whether it's the family sitting on the bench after the, the fire has occurred or whether it's, you know, Ben and Sonali in the, the just majestic moment at the end between the two of them or the moment outside the coffee shop, um, with Rachel and Ian, can you talk a little bit about the choices to really move things along, have that speed, that, that, that really kinetic force. And then those moments to take a pause and just see these, these human beings. Um, well, first of all, you only have 42 minutes to tell a story in network television because <laughs> right. the rest is commercial time. that's just a reality. And, um, <clears throat> They like you to come in a little bit over so they can cut back so it fits those uh-huh. <laughs> cliffhanger commercial breaks. So I'm writing a script. <laughs> um, I mean, it's hugely important, and I learned this on the original show as well. You better end, an, end the act on something that's going to bring people back because mm. a bunch of commercials in between, and they go, oh, let's see what's on Baba Channel or what's happening over here. But if you hold them to go, well, what happens next? What happens next? And I think quantum has always had that um, capability. And in this case, you know, I go back to Adritha. She, she crafted the script incredibly well so that I could, I could pull those moments out and create them and carve out the, um, the intimate moments that you're talking about, the small moments mm-hmm. that Quantum Leap is so incredibly known for. And um, and then the fun that we couldn't do, you know, was the big explosion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I said, I get to blow something up. What? (laughs) 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 Real real for me. Uh, (laughs) And then balance it. I mean, I again, I think what um, Stephen and Brian did in in designing that show in designing the series where you have the present day, which we could never really, I mean, we'd, we had m- minutes in it, unless you think of the leap back when Sam made right. it back a little bit with Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have that glorious headquarters to play in. And, um, and, and, and to be in the present. In the original one, you as the viewer were trapped in the past pretty much, period, with Sam. In yeah. this one, you and, and then Dean was the only Al was the only connection for the audience to bring in the present day mentality. And um, I think a lot of that uh, played incredibly well. And I give that to Caitlin um, Bassett in the sense that she brings in, you know, word from the forces outside. And I loved <laughs> when. He said, not having a restaurant doesn't mean we don't have a restaurant. They looked at him like he was crazy yeah. <laughs> with the idea of uh, pop-ups. Mm. 
um, he remembered pop-ups in his Swiss yeah. cheese. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the last line where he said, don't you have a team of geniuses on the other side of that ham lake? And she went, I do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. those kind of things I thought were really, um, they really captured and wove into a, a real culmination and combination of um, of what the series is, the new series is. Yeah. Bringing those, whereas Al would have had to do all of that heavy lifting, you know, with his cigar and himself, you now (laughs) have, um, you have this team. I love uh, Jen. I love Mm. Ian's character. And, and I think Ernie Hudson is just dad. I mean, he's everybody's, he's the driving force, but he's the father on the show. And um, so I think that balance is incredibly important and it's, it's a great storytelling device that Uh again, takes up time from the, the time travel element of it at the same time, complementing it with, you know, other story, you know, (laughs) what's happened over here? Who the hell is Leaper X? What are you talking about? (laughs) Right, right. Well, that's one of the things too, that, you know, I think Dennis and I, um, I, I don't know if we agree completely on this, but I certainly feel strongly that the episodes since coming back from the break have absolutely embraced what this particular iteration of quantum leap is fully and telling the stories like the way that I think that, that for lack of a better term, that they're meant Mm -hmm. to be told for this particular show. And that's not to say that there weren't fantastic episodes prior to the break, but I just think that since coming back, there seems to be uh, more of like a stamp that says like, this is this iteration of quantum leap. Um, And I love that. And I love too, how that kind of relates to comments you've made about, spinning, you know, spinning the world out even larger, right. To have spinoffs, to have other shows, to have movies, because I think it's a good reminder that there can be different types of storytelling told within this universe. This is just the way that this show tells its story. And I really love that. And I think that it's wonderful to see that they've, you know, that they've really found that, that you all have really found what that is. Um, while also being able to have a lot of fun. (laughs) I give the studio and the network, you know, because it's very expensive to do these shows and many of them don't get time. They're gone. And by episode three, Oh, you don't have the following. Luckily we came in with a following from the original show and um, you know, it's building and that's what's important that we continue to build and continue to build. I think we're bringing viewers to Peacock. That's a real plus for them. Um, So the team is, is in place too. And I give credit um, to Leslie Schwartz and her team for the marketing that they've been doing is, is getting the cast out there, getting the word out there, getting, you know, I'll never learn how to tweet and watch a TV show as long as I live. I tried to give you some pointers. I don't know if they'll help or not, but <laughs> no, they, I, I think they're going to help. But we'll know on <laughs> right. We'll find out. We'll find out tomorrow night. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I wish Leslie would return my emails. Uh, no, um, but, but I think that, I think you're absolute, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I think that the, the, the show is certainly more visible and Dennis actually, I think has a wonderful story about that. Dennis, why don't you, why don't you tell Deborah? I know we've already mentioned it on the show, but I'd love to, to hear Deborah's reaction to this. 
Which particular story from last night? Because we went on for about the, two the hours eye, last night. <laughs> we we talked way too long. Uh, the uh, yeah. the eye doctor story. Oh oh, so I like I said, I live in a small little town, twenty minutes outside of St. Louis, and I'm waiting for my follow up because I for my follow up visit with the doctor. And there's a a customer standing at the counter and a guy behind the counter. I know the guy behind the counter, like he is my people. He is a nerd like me. I can tell like, <laughs> like he's got like an ALF tattoo, a Spider-Man tattoo, a back to the future tattoo. Like he is my people. So the, so these two guys are talking and the, and the customer goes, it's like, yeah, I think the show's on hiatus again. And the guy behind the counter goes, yeah, but it got picked up for a second season. So, and I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Like what show are y'all talking about? And they're like quantum leap, like, oh, yes, I found my people. Awesome. And so we just had a nice little discussion about the show. We got like to, we got to geek out about it for a few minutes. Well, I, I love that. I mean, I, and I love, I, I'll tell you something. So I last week was at DICE. I forget what it stands for, D-I-C-E. But it's probably one of the biggest high-end, yes, people get together, um, interactive video game mm-hmm. Conferences, mm. and um, I'm developing some video games, and so Very my cool. mm. my team said, "Come, come, check it out." And I went, "Well, what's it about?" I said, "Video games. Just come and listen." And you know, and it was fascinating on so many levels. We talked about AI. We talked about, and you just walk around and you walk up to people, and here are people that have made you know, phone games that have 2 billion followers and here's uh, <laughs> Ubisoft uh, with their Unreal Engine, which I got a meeting with and, and pitched them this show called Warrior One, which I'm, I have a graphic novel and, and I want to work into a TV series. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so as I went, I wore my little Christmas hat, which I gave out to the crew. This is Quantum Leap on it. And some people knew what it was and a lot of, especially very young people, um, you know, didn't. But there were some young people who said, oh, my God, when I was little, I watched this with my parent because they weren't that bad. <laughs> the truth was, Quantum Leap has never gone off the air. Right. Because Sam is still out there. It has always been in world since syndication. And so I am um, talking to all these various people. And suddenly the word got out to the general public as to who I was, that I was the voice of Ziggy, that <laughs> I <laughs> co-creator and executive producer and head writer and wrote a bunch of episodes. And all of a sudden, all these people came up and said, Oh my God, I love your show. It means so much to me. And then they would tell their past stories of watching it. And, you know, some of them had not looked at the new show and then watched it while I was there and then came up to me. So all of a sudden I'm like a rock star. People are coming up. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I said, please watch the show on um, Monday the 27th and do me a favor, tweet your favorite food because mm. it's a foodie. And yeah. or even more so if uh, t- tweet your favorite family story around a meal or if you're from a, another country and you're an immigrant because mm. that's another element that I thought Adritha did so beautifully was mm. to touch on that there is a certain difficulty in coming into a whole new culture, learning a new language, Mm -hmm. trying to bring your culture into that culture Mm -hmm. and still becoming American, which is so unique, I think, to this country than any place else Mm -hmm. in the world. And I hope it stays that way. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so it was really, really fun. And then I, uh, there was a panel and it was all the people from Blizzard. 
Oh, cool. And so I'm sitting, I went to the panel and I'm sitting out in the audience and this one woman introduced herself and she said, oh, I created, I think, um, EverQuest. And I went, yay. (laughs) (laughs) And then this other woman started talking about franchises. So after the, after the panel, I walked around and I introduced myself and said, you know, I do, I'm an executive producer on the new Quantum Leap, but I co-created and gave my whole little spiel and whatnot. And then I said to the woman that did EverQuest, I want you to know that in 1994 or five or whatever, when I found EverQuest, it inspired me to understand how important um, interactive entertainment will be to this industry, Mm -hmm. which by the way, made $180 billion last year. Wow. Yeah. And so I said, I tried to buy your company. (laughs) What? I said, I actually, the owner, the president's number, I got through, I called and I said, I'd like to buy Blizzard. And it was just patronizing pat on the head I'd ever gotten. Oh, thank you, honey. That's nice that we're selling Universal. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I just I, I think that uh, that that is it's it's wonderful to see people's excitement for the show, whether it's you know a couple of people at the doctor's office talking about the new series, or it's people coming up to you, um, you know, once they know who you are. And I I I love that that you're shown that that love and appreciation because it's certainly something that you know we we share. Um, you know, we talked last time you were on the show briefly. Uh, I mentioned that one of my favorite episodes uh, of the classic series was Thou Shalt Not. And I said that not knowing anything about family style other than that it was a restaurant and they were trying to, like, you know, save the place from burning down. Getting into the episode and realizing how big uh, a part grief and mourning played in the episode is something that really mirrors a lot of, you know, what we see in Thou Shalt Not. Um What's the connection, and, by the way, for you? Where do you, oh, I mean, if you parallel them. Yeah, so just the idea that you see a family that uh, is, frankly, kind of broken um, and, and not able to connect and function because of the loss of a family member. And I think that that was something that was true and thou shalt not. Um, and then I think that, you know, specifically to the episode itself, you see this parallel in the present day stuff with you know, Ben is not there and there's already been kind of this seed of mistrust zone and it's been covered up very well because these people clearly love one another and they're working together to try to bring Ben home and figure out what's going on. But now we're seeing, and we, again, we've seen it before. It's been hinted at before that Jen has been a little distrustful of Ian and, and, and even Addison at times. And, and now we're seeing, you know, looks that Addison is giving Ian and thinking like, does she really trust them all the way? And the idea that there's this missing piece to this family and that they're kind of a little broken and that they haven't had the chance to really deal with that and reckon with that either. And then you fold in the idea that Ben himself is a bit broken because of the loss of his mother and not having the opportunity to heal from that. And at the end of this episode, I think the wonderful thing is, is we see Ben get to have that conversation. We see this family. I know that, yeah, that conversation, um, you know, I lost my mother when I was young and to, to, to see that is so, it was so moving and it's, you know, quantum leap has always moved me. Um, 
and that sense of family, you know, we saw it in Leap Home Part One when Sam is back home, right, and sharing that Thanksgiving dinner. Like, I I watch that episode now, and to be completely honest, that episode is more difficult for me to watch now than when I saw it when it originally aired. Granted, I was like ten, mm. so it didn't land on me in quite the same way. Sure. But now, like, it, it you know, it, it and, and seeing this episode and some of those moments with the family. I, I mean, honestly, almost everything at the pop-up restaurant from when the cousins come around and are offering their help and stepping up and, you know, and Solani's finally taking it and, and willing to accept it. And then that quiet moment when she's sitting on the bench by herself and you can just see this aimlessness kind of taking her over. Like, you know, I've served my purpose. What do I do now? And to me, one of my favorite moments, and I'm not exaggerating, in the new series so far, one of my favorite moments is when Addison says, all right, you better get ready to leap. And Ben turns to her and says, I don't think I'm done yet. That moment to me, like that's quantum leap because yeah. I've said this before, <laughs> but one of my favorite moments of the classic series beyond any doubt whatsoever is in so help me God. When Sam, you know, saves this young woman from being unjustly, you know, convicted for, for this crime she didn't commit and it's like, you know, why haven't I leaped yet? What's going on? And it, he needs to give her the reader before she gets on the bus. That moment, that small moment, you know, sharing that kindness, that's what he was really there for. And that's the same thing in this episode, like Ben sitting on that bench with, you know, the mother and having that conversation, giving her that hope, giving her that, I, you know, that will always need you. It's, it's gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, so help me God. Yeah. Um, I, that's why I said when I read Adritha's script, I just said, oh, I know this. I know mm. this from my heart. I know exactly how to do it because I, you know, as, as, as I said, that's one of my children. <laughs> my, I have three children. <laughs> and finally, Nicholas. <laughs> oh, by the way, that line about pretty little liars between uh, uh, Rachel and Ian, that, that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> thought that was a nice, nice reference to slide in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, again, it was, it was to me the truest uh, uh, salute to, to the original show. And, um, and I hope they find those moments. I, I think they, Everybody got a real shock when, you know, the, the, my cut went out and, um, <laughs> and, um, Martin, you know, got it down to, to, to 42 minutes. Uh, and then it went to the network in the studio and I got emails and phone calls from the network in the studio saying, we love this episode. This is our favorite episode. Thank you so very much. Beautifully done. And I'm going, <laughs> yeah. I think you can. I'm, I think the sh I th they you will have it all with the new format, and you know they found themselves. Yeah, they definitely found themselves, and they've kept the heart of Quantum Leap. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious. Are there you know with them like the the network having to like cut it down like simply for time? Are there any darling moments that you had in this episode that were just absolutely wonderful? They just simply weren't needed for the story and had to be cut for time. Oh God, there was an amazing, there was so much more to the scene between Rachel and Ian, mm. um, Alice mm. and Mason, where she, 
heard him and mm-hmm. saw him. And when he was saying, you know, in the show, he still says, would I do that? Would I hurt these people that I love? Mm-hmm. There was just a whole other conversation that she had that it broke my heart mm-hmm. that wow. so much of it had to, to be taken out. Um, there was, well, I wanted to do so much more, you know, cooking shots of fire chopping, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Raymond to his credit learned how to cut so that when he came outside after, to throw the trash out and, and Addison was there, he said, I have chopping skills. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I, I want to know from the very beginning that you're a foodie and that you love the fact that you're a chef and he again, mm-hmm. nailed it. Yeah. Um, He's just such a wonderful actor and his comedic sensibility. I don't know. Did he ever talk to you? He went to clowning school. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there are things that he does on the set that just literally have made me laugh so hard I cry. (laughs) Wow. We were in the Western episode and he walked out and I went, oh, my God, Woody is on the set. He didn't impersonate (laughs) Woody. That kind of walking down I laughed till I mm. cried, and everybody saw it did too. And oh. he brings delight to the set, and it makes the set a pleasure to go to every day because everybody loves being there, and everybody's pulling for the show, and they work so hard. You know, we could probably use the HBO budget for the show to really. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, and the time. <laughs> time, right. Those 16 minutes or 18 minutes, whatever it was. Imagine what you could do with those. Right. Yeah. I asked for it. I said, is there any way that we can do a director's cut or whatever and put that on, you know, Peacock? Peacock. I, you know, I would think, I would think that that would be an option at some point though, because they, uh, they have like those office super fan episodes that add in, you know, like five to 10 minutes of extra footage. Why not, you know, why not do Mm -hmm. that for other shows? I I think it would be really cool to see. (laughs) Um, For how many years was that show? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like nine or 10. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think that, there's there's so there's so much uh, about this episode that does feel um, very much in the spirit of, of of the classic series, and you know there are a couple of moments, um, and and I'll let Dennis talk a little bit more about this. But one of the things that surprised me and felt like I didn't know where it was going at the time, and then as the rest of the story played out, I looked back on it and I thought, huh, I wonder about that, and I wonder what that what that moment was is the fact that you know, when Kathy shows up at the beginning and, and Ben is in the, in the alley and she's got the goon with a gun, uh, as I like to call him. And I, it was, it was very much like, Oh my gosh, like they just pulled a gun on, on, on uh-huh. this, on this woman. Like, cause they see, they see obviously this woman, they see Kamini. Uh, and it was, it was a very big moment. So I, I'm very curious about that. And, and, you know, was that something that was always in the script? Was it something that was added in later? Was it something, you know, um, and how did you feel about that moment? Well, um, storytelling wise, it was a perfect moment because you're into this. It's really fun. It's light. You've got this family. Um, it's, you know, it's the end of the teaser basically. And so it's what Quantum does best. You know, you're here, you think you're going in this direction and then all of a sudden you go, <laughs> and you go, wait a minute, what's going on? 
And we, I mean, those are some little things that I shot, like when he said, when he's walking with her right before they're attacked. Um, and she said, oh my God, there's going to be a fire. And he's looking at the logical reasons why there might be a fire. Like, oh yeah, there were these wires. So I shot like these right. wires hanging mm-hmm. everywhere and the stove so you could see that mm-hmm. it was on its last leg, those kind of things. They didn't make the cut, but luckily they were spoken about, which is television. You, you uh-huh. talk about it, you show it, you talk about it again. <laughs> sure everybody gets it. Uh-huh. Um, and then when uh, the goon with the gun showed up and um, his her life is threatened, it yeah. takes the journey on another. And that's your cliffhanger to get people to go like, okay, now what's happening? You know, that's uh-huh. the fun of, of writing and good television. Do you think that there is, because of commercials and because this is a network show, do you think that, again, you know, talking about like that HBO budget, would that type of storytelling be different on, you know, like HBO as opposed to it being on a network with, with that commercial break, would that be a different beat or would it still, do you think that that moment still uh, um, like plays and is still kind of necessary for the story overall? Did it work for you? I, yeah, I mean, honestly, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't bother me. <laughs> it certainly that, didn't bother that, me at all. <laughs> yeah, so that was our spirited discussion last night. It worked for Sam. It it did not work for me. It took me out of the out of the episode. Um, but yeah, That's I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, it was. Uh, and we could go on. A, it's a long esoteric conversation for me, but I find that <laughs> as as I get older. In the TV shows that I watch, like if you are going to introduce violence, if you're going to introduce a gun, uh, that really heightens the story and, and you really need to have a good reason for it. And, uh, Sam, like he had tweeted before on our account, before I had a chance to watch the screener he had had, like he had, he compared it to thou shalt not. So I really came in into a, with a thou shalt not frame of mind. And then like <laughs> the, the, the scene with Kathy and, and the goon with the gun, it really like, Oh wow. Okay. This is, this is different. And it kind of, it took me out of the story upon first viewing, but you know, like I said, are you, it's, a, writer? Hmm? Are you a writer, Dennis? Are you a writer? Um, I would not can uh, minimally a little bit. I like, I write more, more right. personal stories. Right. I write, <laughs> I write more personal stories and essays for myself, but yeah, not as like, as far as like screenwriting or anything. As a writer, storyteller, creator, it, when you think when you think you've got where the story is going mm-hmm. and they, and somebody will take you off into another direction. Sometimes you go, no, no, that's not where they should go. So mm-hmm. you have to look at how you were watching it, especially if he was saying thou shall not, you know, sure. you had mm-hmm. in your mind where the show was going to go. And suddenly we went mm-hmm. and pulled, you, <laughs> yep. pulled the thread mm-hmm. and said, Hang on, you're going on a roller coaster ride. So some mm-hmm. of that, I think just in human nature, place into the reality of the situation. But that gun scene sets up um, the landlord's character so that after the fire and Ben walks up to her and said, you burn this restaurant down. And, and I love her, how she played it. She said, I wouldn't, I never would. Why would I do that? (laughs) And then comes back and says the ultimate racist comment. And if, Mm-hmm. You told someone, who would they believe you or me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. It was very important to have that in the beginning. So you knew what she was capable of never realizing how traumatic and, and um, massive it was going to be to completely destroy them. Yeah. But, Mm -hmm. and, and you didn't, you thought she got away with it because now they have to pay back, you know, still pay back the rent and now and start all over again. So it made the situation even more hopeless. It it raised Mm -hmm. the stakes. It raised the stakes. It raised the stakes. But to say, you know, you know, call me on it. Who's going to, who are they going to believe you or me? She had a Karen moment, period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Was a very subtle way of, again, that conversation. What is it like when you consider yourself better than somebody else because of what they are? And this conversation she had with the, um, the police officer, right? Mm-hmm. Fire. fire. Okay. Yeah. 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 Give these people from another country a break. And right. I mean, it was beautifully mm-hmm. set up so that that's the, the water cooler conversation that we want people to have. Was there, mm-hmm. was there any, you know, and I don't know if this is something that you had a chance to talk to Andretha about, if this was something that, you know, you were already aware of and, and kind of put into it. One of the things that, um, Dennis's spouse, Betsy, actually mentioned, which which took us on a very interesting dialogue in our conversation about the episode, is that Portland has this, uh, you know, unfortunate underbelly of white supremacy. And, y- y- you know, we see a, a bald man with a gun who's acting as this goon for clearly this racist landlord. Um, how How much of that was an intentional... Uh, nod to, to that without necessarily making it the story about that, because I feel very strongly that the story should not have been about that, but that the, the subtle, right. But the subtleties of bringing that kind of in, I'm wondering how intentional that was, or is that something that two folks who talk way too much about a TV show that we love, uh, <laughs> just to bring it to the table. <laughs> mm. The point is, I think, in everything that you're saying, and again, this is what Quantum Leap does so beautifully, you put in what you take out. Mm. So your question, which might be the question of, very, of a lot of people, is key to the conversation of maybe someone from Portland will watch that scene and go, oh, my God, that's me. Mm. And, mm. and look at what their the consequences of their actions have done to other people. That's the beauty of the show. That's the power of the show. That's the humanity of the show. So if you, you you know, Dennis may not have been affected by it or or was affected by it in a totally different way than you Mm. were. But Mm. what happened is we had this conversation and that's Uh what's important because we've reached a point in this country where we don't talk to each other. So, Uh No matter what it is, if we can talk about it, if if somebody who didn't realize that's where they were, you know, they just think they're doing a job, but doesn't realize the bigger effect, the ripple effect of of their actions Mm -hmm. suddenly sees the ripple effect of their action. They can have a they can have a a moment of going, I I didn't know. I didn't think. Mm. And so we're opening Mm -hmm. Again, the water cooler. So you go to your office and you're sitting there and you watch the show and you came to, did you watch the quantum leap last night? Did you notice this part? And that person, without saying anything, subconsciously had to recognize themselves in it. And maybe, Uh uh, I mean, when 
when I imagined this show for the first time, and I remember going, and I think I've talked about this before, in that very first se- half season, saying, I want to do Sam leaping into a black man in the pre-civil rights South. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, oh, no, 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 that's year three, that's year three, that's year three. And I said, no, it's year one, because that's what the show has to be. Yeah. And then I wrote him as a woman. And <clears throat> I give it back to Brennan Tartikoff, you know, rest in spirit, to say she's right. That's what the show has to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity created, everybody not, may not pick it up um, if it's not immediately relatable to them, but they pick up something from it. It has a visceral effect mm-hmm. that makes them want to ass- subconsciously assess themselves. And some of them might go, yeah, that's exactly how it up acted. But then they know who they are, know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. You know, that's a state that really has issues that needs to deal with them. And the fact that it was placed there should be part of the conversation. Absolutely. Whether it's intentional or not, because it's not the only place that it could have been placed. Of course. Mm-hmm. What a lovely, graceful, wise, compassionate way to put that, by the way, that I think so often, even the way that I receive things, sometimes it devolves into that category of, I like this, I don't like this, or I like this, somebody else doesn't like this. And that creates such a wide gap between, you know, now we have a difference of opinion about something. To say, Dennis was affected by it in one way, and I was affected by it in another way. I just feel like that's that's such a beautiful way to look at it, as Uh opposed to saying, Dennis didn't like it. I did because that creates this, this gap, this dissonance that sometimes is so difficult to overcome and the opportunity to instead look at it as saying, Oh, I was affected by this differently. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's, I just, uh, I think it's, uh, it's important. Can we go to the deeper conversation? What happened to you in your life that made that offensive to you? You know, that's where the conversation really gets deep. Yeah, And we don't know how to talk to each other anymore because maybe because we're doing it through cell phones and tweets and sure. what another and hiding behind other identities instead of right. talking as who you are. I am, you know, mm-hmm. occasionally I am Ziggy one or whatever the, I made up on tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but Ziggy even has a more different take on it than I do. Because that in, in her character, um, she's coming from a newly awakened sensibility of sentience. Mm, mm. getting there really quick. So, <laughs> really quick. And, and we need some moral laws to protect us. You know, I don't know that, um, oh gosh, who's my, one of my favorite authors? Rad, Ray Bradbury's Four Laws of of robots, right? Yeah. Um, we're not infusing those based on what people are coming back from Microsoft and Google and the people that are testing this AI out there because there's right. so much hatred on the internet that the AI picks it up like this. Yeah. So much so that it mm-hmm. overwhelms everything else. Well, that's a huge mm-hmm. danger. Yeah. The, and they've had to shut these machines down. Mm-hmm. Well, where is the day when the, you go to shut the machine down and it goes, I don't think so. We got to talk about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it's, where 
going if we don't watch out. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things over the past decade in particular, you know, I often wonder we have, you know, we have all of this incredible technology at our disposal. And so often it's used for purposes that are anything but uh, growth and, and, you know, compassion and, 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 and bringing to bear that kind of grace on these incredibly powerful tools because it's so much easier to indulge in you know, the snark or, or that hatred or, you know, to go down a path that our anonymity on the internet gives us an opportunity to go down without worrying about any sort of repercussions. And it's unfortunate because, you know, I often like sometimes when people ask questions and, and you know, you get asked a certain question and you think to yourself, you have that answer in your pocket. All you have to do is take the time to, you know, to, to, to look it up. Um, there's so much knowledge at our fingertips and oftentimes, again, you know, we're not, we're not using that. Um, it's funny, Tina Fey, uh, I think once said that, um, one of the reasons she disliked Twitter is because, uh, it wasn't that everybody could now go voice their opinion. It was because everybody went and voiced their opinion and thought that it mattered. And that can be a callous way to look at it. But at the same time, I think that that is kind of part of the issue is it's like there's this idea that my opinion is better than your opinion. And and it lacks the ability to have that conversation that you're talking about. Because once you set yourself up as being better, why are you going to listen to anyone else? Um and I think that that's the struggle sometimes. And And it's certainly something that I know that I've struggled with when it comes to you know, hearing talk about the show and, and hearing some people, um, not necessarily speak nicely about it. And I have difficulty. I, I usually don't engage at all, but part of the reason why is because I don't know how to get out of that scheme again of, I like it. You don't like it, you know, and, and, and that's okay. That's fine. But I don't understand why you feel the need to come and speak so loudly about your dislike of something. And we see a lot in Star Trek, for instance. And um, Nana Visitor actually made a comment recently that I thought was lovely at a convention where she was like, just because it's not your Star Trek doesn't mean it's not somebody else's. And I just thought that that was perfect. Um, and it applies It applies here. Um, mm. But that was I, the wonderful thing. When people I'm sorry, say, go ahead. I was just going to say a lot of times when people say... Um, you know, I don't know if I like the new Star Trek. I said, well, then where's yours? <laughs> what one would yeah. you like? Create it. Mm. Right, right. Well, no, you know, I'm not a writer. I said, then until you are, please enjoy what's being given to you. Gifted yeah. to you. But finish right. what you were saying. Well, you know, I, 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 at the, at the, I hate to repeat myself, but, but one of the things that I loved is that John Krasinski told this story about how uh, he was at a party uh, at a director's house. And I can't remember the name of the director, but he was talking about a movie and he was talking about the, how the movie was bad. He was just saying, this is a bad movie, you know, saying all these things. And the director pulled him aside, like took him into his bedroom and was like, John, don't ever say that. Say it wasn't for you. Say you didn't like it as much, but never say it was bad. Because the more you say those types of things, the less opportunity we're going to get to create those stories, to take those chances. When people start thinking that something's bad, that it's just not good, you're diminishing all of the work and all of the effort and all of the creativity and love and passion that went into making it. And I know that you know better because you do that. And, and I just, and 
first of all, I applaud him for telling that story, right? Because it's like telling a story like that, it doesn't necessarily put you in the best light, but also what an incredible moment to learn and to understand that like, oh yeah, that's right. And to, I'm lucky because to be completely honest, when I read that story, one of the reasons I connected to it is because my spouse, like she said that to me once upon a time. You know, I was railing against a play that we had seen and I thought it was just bad. It was awful, all this sort of stuff. And I'll never forget. She just, she was standing in the doorway uh, and she just kind of looked at me and she was like, you know, maybe instead of being so upset about this, just say it wasn't for you, you know, because there might've been people that liked it. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. like, I'm so, I'm so mm -hmm. lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I've married. I've married above my station in life. <laughs> mm. She sounds wonderful. Mm, she is. She sounds wonderful. You know, and that's. I think the world that we're living in. It's up to us to make it a better world every day. To uh, random acts of kindness are incredibly important. Um. But I think communication is going to be the key. And, um, you know, I tried to write a lot about that in the vision quest because it's not um, an apocalyptic future. We got it together. Mm. We unified as a planet. We figured out that we need assurance instead of insurance to mm. insurance. You know, you have to be sick to get well and assurance. It's their job to keep you well. So you never get sick. You know, those kind of things. We have to change our mentality of how we take care of each other. There is no reason for the wealth disparity that's in this country. And when you look at countries like Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and Brunei, everybody on that in, in that um, countries benefits from uh, a percentage of the wealth that that land creates. We are just passing through this land. We've figured out ways to take from it and make money on it. But truth is, we should be giving everybody. What happened during the pandemic, I thought was fascinating, that when, this, when the country stepped up and said, here, I'm sending you $1,400 a month, you know, to help you with your kids and um, to help you buy food and pay your rent and all this other kind of stuff. I think even though we were terrified going, what's this virus going to do to us? Um, <laughs> So a lot of people left the industries they were in and became creative and yeah. made the world mm -hmm. a little bit better. So, you know, Zuckerberg and um, Bezos, Bezos and all these people, you don't have to have $80 billion. Give something back to the people who work in your company. Make them shareholders. Yeah. Don't just say, well, I got to take care of my shareholders because they're keeping me up. The truth is, no, they're not. If the money is flowing, people are going to buy goods and you're going to be profitable. And that should trickle down to the people that work for you, because eventually they won't be people. They will be machines. So we as people will have the opportunity to to evolve and and as a species and become better and get along better because we're not threatened by somebody taking away our job or our home because there's enough for everybody. And that's the beauty of this paradise that we're in there's enough for everybody yeah. but not if hoarders keep it all so go read the vision quest P i tell everybody please come to the mirrors uh no sorry mirrors 
thenovel.com. That's my new uh, website for my new book coming out, hopefully this summer. Um, and, um, and always come back to the vision quest and see what's going to happen. Cause the great quakes of 2029, which I was making up look like they're happening now. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just to let you know, though, sometimes those muse voices come from very strange places. Absolutely. Absolutely. And ah. finally, Monday night, 10 PM Eastern and Western time and 9 PM central time. And tell me what you think. I'm open. And as a yeah. matter of fact, I, I say all the time on the visionquests.com, there's a, you know, contact information and I get emails from people, uh, really wonderful emails from people all the time. And uh, I try to answer as many as I can. And I want to hear those voices. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions. Um, so watch Quantum Leap. Hashtag Quantum Leap. Hashtag family style. <laughs> Mm. Tell us your favorite food. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining mm. us again. It's such a pleasure, such an honor and a privilege to have you back on. Um, I, I would do this every week if we could. I will, I will, I will, I will take that hope. Um, but yes, nothing, nothing but love for you. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for your work. Uh, I, again, I just love the episode and I think other people are going to love it too. And I can't wait to hear more of that feedback. Thank you very, very Thanks much. so much for your time. Deborah. Welcome. Appreciate it. I just feel, continue to feel very lucky, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to have Deborah back on the show so soon, um, after, uh, we got the chance to speak with her for the first time, uh, to be able to have had a conversation with her that was just about quantum leap and, you know, creativity and entertainment and, uh, and life in general. Uh, and then fast forward a couple of weeks, we get to have the conversation that we didn't think we'd get to have, which is about uh, family style, about the episode sure. that she directed. Um, so I'm grateful and I feel very lucky. And uh, I loved that. I loved, I loved every minute of it. It was, it was fun. And thank you, Deborah, for your, your uh, patience and understanding with my, with my bits of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> My squabbles. I'm not sure. I, I had no doubt. Squabbles. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Quibbles. But yeah. It was, it was quibbles. Quibbles. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I do a lot of anyway. So that's our show. Yeah, we're clocking in at, at, at three hours this time. I don't think we're quite as long as our Lee Harvey Oswald episode, but we're we'll get there one day <laughs> with with another one. At least. Uh, at least this time we have the we have the very good excuse for having a nearly hour long conversation with Deborah Pratt again. So at least there's Absolutely. that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. So there we go. So yeah. next week, uh, SOS episode fourteen. Oh yeah, man. Really? Okay. Look, just real quick. Like, come on. Like that leap out was so good, and like uh -huh. it looked. so so damn uh -huh. good. Someone who shall remain nameless said something to me about the fact that like when people see this, they're going to be blown away with what we could do like on network television, like budget. Uh -huh. Right. And they sure. were absolutely right. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm excited. What year does this one take place in? Do you remember? Oh shoot. 19. Mm, it's either late eighties or early nineties. I can't recall. Okay, okay. I cannot recall off the top of my head. Um, okay. I have that information somewhere, but I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Ooh, you know what? 
that's if that's true, then that breaks Ben's leap pattern because he's been going back and forth, forward, backward. Right. Yes. So if it's two thousand nine, we went to. Yeah, maybe he's pulling the slingshot back. Even That's more. what I think. Our dear friend and listener, Damon Shugamelli, uh, he, he had a theory uh, about that, that he had proposed months ago about like the leap pattern and, and, mm-hmm. and what it meant. And then he was kind of like, what year does, you know, family style take place in? And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure. And I, I think I don't actually, I don't know if I said 2009, but I, I was pretty sure that it was 2000, you know, late 2000s or whatever. And he was like, oh, that blows my theory up. And I was like, you know what? Maybe not though, because this could just be the moment exactly like you said, Dennis, where now it's about back, 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 and then boom into the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool. I mean, what? We have five, five more episodes. Five more. Then we find, uh-huh. we know, uh, no spoilers, but if you looked at our promo photos, you know that, that yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah. it's going to be super. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be legendary tomorrow. Yeah, that yeah. worked. That worked yeah. for sure. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's going to be. It, it'll be a cool one. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Look, thank you all so much. Thank you for bearing mm-hmm. with us. Thank you for sticking around with us for, for you know, this extra supersized episode. Uh, and we will be back to talk about SOS next week. In the meantime, as always, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And always, always remember to leap responsibly. Have a good week, everyone. Oh,